We got a green. Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. They want their store back. Welcome to the Coco Nation, the world's only live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Coco Nation. Surprise! We're here. <laughs> it's a New Year's surprise. Are we live? When did yes. that happen? We're live. Yeah, I got a green light, so. Uh... Well, I'm I'm live. Yeah. I'm gonna have to have someone stamp my passport. That's now we should right. warn everybody: this is kind of a test run here. This is not the quote-unquote official first show. Uh, well, well was that is. any difference from Coco Talk? Yeah, pretty much. Um, but basically, <laughs> we're we're experimenting. We're making sure everything's working. So expect glitches. Maybe even more so than normal, and uh, we'll just go from there and see how it goes. But hey, Today, this the is episode, are the, no extra charge. This is episode two ninety four, so it counts. First glitch: the advertising department didn't. Ooh. And Mark, you should point out the new logo that was the winner of the uh, the voting contest for those that have not heard yet. Yes, it's on the left side of the screen. Um, the uh, right side is the uh, as a slideshow. Um, but yeah, the this big one, the, oh, way down the one there. here that says the Coco Nation. Yeah, that one right there. Right, right here. Right here where I'm pointing. Uh, too bad I can't blow, blow that up without making a big mess of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's also available on Facebook, which is where the voting actually happened, I think. So if uh, people want to look. What, what entry number was it so they can jump ahead? Is it eight, I think, or something? It shows on the grid. You can just click it. Oh, okay. You can see the zoom up. It's really, it's really nice art, though. And I think it's something we could probably actually display pretty well verbatim on a Coco Three. So we'll have to get it converted over if, if somebody hasn't already done that. I might have okay. to include it. In the next EOU is a sample picture. Oh, maybe uh, either the screensaver or burn it into your background. The mug of tears. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's see who we got with us today. First up, uh, Mark Overhoser. Hey, glad to be here. Hey, you're looking with a good new good view today. Yeah, actually, I got uh, two cameras, three actually, because uh, I have a desk camera as well as my old camera. So back to the old oh, camera. Cool. Three quarter profile, camera two. Nice. And which which one's the cat cam? Which one's the cat cam? Depends on which side she's on. Ha. <laughs> yeah. It's like where's the tail? Uh let's In my see. Face, usually. <laughs> let's see. Next over, Sloopy Malibu. Greetings and welcome to the new show. You ready for the party tonight? Absolutely. You're just gonna go to bed eleven or eleven o'clock with the rest of us, right? <laughs> so <lovely>. Maybe. <laughs> or nine is what I should have said. Um <laughs> 
Let's see. Next over, Patrick Euland. Howdy, folks. Still here. And last on the top row, well, Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the show, everyone. Or how does John Oliver say it? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We still have the Muppets, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Hey. Uh, let's see. Next row, Ken Waters. Hello, everybody. And yes, I am going to try and make it to midnight tonight for the first time in I don't know how long. Mm. That might just be the news section, Ken. Yeah. Well, I don't have for the first time and I don't know how many years I don't have to get up for work tomorrow. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. let's see. Next over, Jim Rye. Hello. First time caller, long time listener. Well, let's (laughs) hope it's not the last time. (laughs) And next over, we got uh, Damon Beals. Hello. Not first time uh, caller, but it's been a very, very long time since I've been on the panel. Sure. All right. uh, Next over, yours truly. And today's the last day for the Christmas tree. Uh, Let's see. Next row, the man with the switches, Jason. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Are you David Ladd excited? Ooh. Why, yes. You know, you make a better David Ladd than David Ladd does. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, Alan. Well, okay, if he's David Ladd, then I guess I'm fake David Ladd. Ooh, welcome to the show, everyone. Are you ready? It's going to be amazing. <laughs> you know what we have to do at Coco Fest is a David Ladd impression section there in that book. You're me doing doing David Ladd. <laughs> Have a contest. Hey, next up, the man from down under who's in the middle of summer, Nick Marentes. Hi, everyone. Gee, I came to this show to get away from the David Ladd stuff, but it's all here again. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Coco Nation has 20% more David Ladd than the leading brand. <laughs> yeah, and Nick, you need to stop uh, standing upside down, too. Yeah, I should do that. <laughs> and last but not least, the guy who does you do not want to see in your town, Grant Leedy. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'll be coming to Oklahoma quite a bit this year, I have a feeling. Yeah, I know. We'll, stop. we'll have to have uh, dinner again. Oh, we always do. <laughs> and this time, Grant's buying. <laughs> hope, hopefully the uh, Waffle House is open. And uh. not leveled. Right. Yeah, not leveled. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me stop a share here. Okay, we cross that off the list. All right. What do we want to try to do next? Roll credits. Ah. Roll credits. <laughs> you, do you want to do the game on and just kind of remind people about the overlapping and all that kind of stuff? And sure. There you go. Fake game Oops. on. One too many buttons. Here we Push go. Push can in front of the bus. Quick. There are no results. Where are the results? There we go. Remember those glitches we mentioned earlier? <laughs> <laughs> there was there were several. 
<laughs> so unless unless you wanted to watch two weeks ago's game results. on results, then you know I had to stop it. <laughs> we could talk about that game again. It was such a wonderful game. Everybody had so much fun playing it. I'm still like going to therapy for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till we talk about the games we're playing right now. <laughs> which, <laughs> which game are we in therapy about? Robin Hood. Uh, wow. Uh, so There's one I, thing I can say for Robin Hood, at least it wasn't Predator. Yeah, <laughs> I can say that too. I have to agree. It's better than Predator. So basically, I got sick at the right time. A root canal is better than Predator, I think. But... Although Robin Hood had its moments. Yeah, actually, for, it, it, for, it was just a little too hard. It, it was, was a, a hard game. decent game. It yeah. was, uh, it was the typical European pixel-perfect jumping um, yep. type of game. Start over a screen. You start everything over, including getting all the stuff that you picked up and barely got to. Yeah. Well, this was originally on the Dragon, right? This is an import. Yeah, correct. Okay, that that explains everything. <laughs> Let's see. In the in the chat, uh, sixty made it in. Robin Hood was good. He said that's because he won. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's see. What do we got going on in there? It's going to be probably a little slow to start with since everyone's got to get joined up and uh, and so on. Yeah. New channels. There's quite a few people in there already, though, including people that are not on the panel, like Tom Eric yep. Anderson, Sixty, which is Karen. We've actually got nine Jason's people watching the Twitch channel. So mm-hmm. TG Bay Chris, who I finally saw in person, well, sort of virtually in person yesterday on the Glenside uh, year wrap-up call. We have an anonymous Facebook user who said hi, which I'm guessing is probably Mark Siegel. Um, somebody was mentioning, I think it was you, Alan, in the in the private chat that the uh, link for Facebook is yeah, not. It's just showing user. Acting weird for Facebook right now. They might have another glitch. Okay. Facebook so what are we up to now? Three, four glitches? Doing good. We should, have a gl- we should have a glitch counter in the corner of the screen. <laughs> ah, 8 Bits in the Basement is here, too. And uh, I think, Ken, you mentioned in the uh, pre-call yeah, gonna, that you might be seeing him in person here. I'm going to try to. Um, I haven't really actually totally arranged it with him because i got to find out if he's going to be home when I uh, go to Europe. But I think I've figured out a way to get out to his place because he lives in the middle of nowhere. So, And we know about that up here in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea if it's the middle of nowhere. It's just not Paris, which is the place I was going. So, we got to remember a small European country. So, the middle of nowhere is probably like from here to Regina or something. It's yeah, like that true. Yeah. But in that part of the country, got a few hills. I have no idea. I've never been to France. I've never been to Europe. So, well, you know, just a little west of uh, France is Switzerland. So, never been there either. No, nope. the bo- west of France is the ocean, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. West of <laughs> France is the ocean, and then England. Way, way, way. Well, I think it's a map keep, glitch. If you keep going west, you will get to Switzerland <laughs> eventually. That's yes, long folks. Never ask Mark for directions. Is about all I can say. <laughs> it sounds like he has the same GPS routing as you do, Curtis. <laughs> my GPS routing worked good. It was Kansas. No, it was my GPS routing that wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, please drive across the wooden bridge made of logs that just yep. happened to fall there. Pretty much. This is the shortest route. You may yeah. die, but it's the shortest route. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a bridge even the mo- mo- uh, moose wouldn't use, right? <laughs> it, it's so short, it's straight down a cliff. You don't even move forward on the map at all. It's just straight down. 
Anyway, Ken, uh, if you want to explain the difference that happened, that uh, is a general change that you're doing to the game on challenge. Okay, well, uh, the and also with the special special part that's happening right now. The special special part. I don't know. Yeah, the, the fact that like the designing levels are three. Oh, okay. Well, that's part of the game on challenge. So I'm actually just going to go through the game on challenge because it actually incorporates everything into it. So at this moment, we're playing three games over the Christmas break. Um, we have Gravator, which uh, now I have a question is- for you on Gravator. Uh, Mr. Dave has done a couple of patches to it. Some was to um, decrease the uh, difficulty of the game. Some was to change the controls a bit because it's more meant for a Coco One Two keyboard yeah. if you don't have one. <laughs> uh, which ones are you accepting scores? From? I'm accepting scores from all of them because this is a damn hard game. And <laughs> if if you can score ten points on any of them, put it in because you're doing well. Unless you're Buck Owens, you have to do at least ten thousand points. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Whichever version you want to play that you find fun, because that's the point of all of this is fun. So yeah, and we should mention that the uh, the, the modifications that I'm talking about here are on the Coco Discord. They're not on the archive yeah. or anything yet, as far as I'm aware. So if you want to get a copy of the ones that have been patched with the Coco Three keyboard and also patched to be a bit more playable, because it is extremely hard, it almost makes Robin Hood look easy. Yeah. Um, then go to the Coco Discord if you're not already a member. Join up, and uh, it's a free download. They're in the game the on. Game well, on if you're not a member, then uh, the, it's hard for you to post your score for the game on challenge anyway. So, oh, they don't just email them to you. <laughs> we can't send them in on a postcard. But yeah, it's in the game on challenge uh, on Discord. Uh, Mr. Dave has posted the uh, changes he made. So try them. Whichever one you find the best to try and play, then uh, use that one. Because, yeah, the idea yeah. of this uh, whole thing is uh, not to um, find the hardest game possible to play. It's to have fun playing these games. So, yeah. uh, One little plug I'll go before you go on to the next one, and that is Rick Eulen's key fix actually has a little thing where you can switch yeah. the alt control keys. And that is perfect for this game to get you up to 50 points instead of only 10. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, let's take a look at the second game that we are currently playing, and that is Dungeons of Daggereth. And uh, since there is actually no scoring in this game, it's a participation. Just take a picture of how far you get in the game, something that you think is really cool in the game, anything like that, just to show that you are actually playing the game. Okay. And both of those games are going to be the uh, results will be on the seventh show. So a week from today will be when we do the results from those. So the cutoff will be Friday? Friday night. Okay. Uh, Then the third game that we are currently playing uh, is Pokemon. And uh, this one, the idea is to create some levels of your own for everybody to try. And as well as play the existing as, as well as play the existing games. Uh, you got to play the existing ones to understand all the things you can do to uh, create levels. So, And it's not necessarily creating a level that's hard. It's creating a level that is interesting looking, creating a level that is uh, an interesting to play or just creating a level that just looks really cool. It could be the simplest level. Maybe make one you spell your initials on the screen or something. Make one that spells your initials. Yeah. 
I don't know if I can fit loser for mine across the screen, but I'll try. <laughs> and the thing with that one is it is going till the 14th. And that is how we're going to start doing games from now on. Each game is actually going to last for two weeks and they're going to be staggered. So there'll be a new game every week and a game ending every week. But so we'll always be playing two games. So if there's a game that really sucks, you don't have to uh, play it all that much. You can play the other game. I do enjoy watching them when you do the live streams and we'll get into that in a second too mm-hmm. for the game on challenge. I do like watching the, the human suffering apparent in everybody's faces <laughs> when you're playing a crap game. That's part of the entertainment. <laughs> it is fun. Yes. Mandatory suffering. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it's going to be from now on. Each game is going to last two weeks and they're going to be staggered. So we're always going to be playing two different games, but the one game will be changing every week. Okay. And Cocobon is kind of the first one of that. The other yeah, Cocobon is the first one that's going over a week, an extra week. Okay. Just because it's a little bit harder to actually design levels and stuff. And I know Paul's think. looking forward to seeing what kind of levels people come up with. Because as he pointed out when Buck posted a couple that he'd made, uh, he said, this is so much more fun than trying your own levels over and over and over to make sure they work. Mm-hmm. So. so let's get out there, people, and create some levels. Yep. And I should mention too, Gravitor and Dungeons of Daggerath will run on a Coco 1, 2, or 3, or any of the emulators, of course. Um, I think they need 16K each, maybe yeah. 32 at the most. And Coco Bond requires a Coco 3 with just 128K and a keyboard. Doesn't even need joysticks. Neither does Daggerath. Neither does Gravitor. I actually, did Dave patch it for joysticks? I can't remember. He did patch it for jo- joysticks, but uh, it originally it was meant for either. keyboard. <laughs> Doesn't help enough. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I haven't had a chance to try his patch ones yet. I just tried the original. So um, I'm thinking, I'm I'm hoping I'll do a little bit better on his patched ones because, man, I suck on the original. Yeah, I, I actually booted it up a little bit because I'd made the webpage for it quite a while ago and I took a look and, Jesus, you're not kidding. That's hard. Like, it's just, you start turning, it turns too fast is the main thing. Yeah. Like, the key repeat is instant and then you're just like spinning around and you're trying to aim anything but hitting ground is, wow. I'll try, but I'm not very level-headed. Something that's too fast on the Coco? <laughs> yeah. Bad, bad pun. <laughs> it's like playing right. some of the old Coco 1 and 2 games on a Coco 3 in 639 native mode and the double speed poke. That's what it feels like. Which we often do on the live broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should ask. Uh, we were going to have a live uh, show, what, a week and a half ago? That did we not were. happen. And nobody was around, and I can't figure out. I, I don't think I have a, any um, ability to uh, broadcast stuff. So on the channels. So, so are we planning on trying to have one this week before Friday? I think Sloopy. Yes. Are we having a uh, show on Thursday? Uh that's the plan. Okay, good. Um. So hopefully. I know- I know that we were kind of planning on it, but nobody was around to do it. And I quickly was trying to figure out if I had uh, access and I don't think I do. So I think I have to talk to somebody about having access to do the uh, broadcasting. Yeah. I was actually planning on doing one the Thursday before Christmas, but unfortunately I was very sick. Yeah. So, So, and I wasn't even able to get online to ask someone to uh, stand in for me. So. Oh, well, we're all uh, busy with Christmas and New Year's and everything else anyway, so. 
So as, as far as that being a glitch, should, should we get, like, Ken, would you want to have the access so you can actually stream it across? Or, um, or do we want maybe an alternative where you stream it live on your channel, if that's possible or something? I'm not sure. I I mean, I could. I don't know. This I, is a I, backup. I mean, obviously, yeah. we want to do it on the regular channel. But. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I know my computer's pretty crappy, and I I can stream it, I think, but I can't actually play it when I'm streaming because it uh, bogs my computer down too much. So if I stream oh, it, I have to sit there and just talk, talk, because uh, I can't actually play the game live. Okay. So it's better for someone else to do the double whammy. and. Yeah, unless I get a better computer sometime in the future, which who knows. <laughs> but you could have afforded if he wasn't you know, spending all his money going to Europe. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just what I was thinking. <laughs> it's a Ouch. present. It's a present from my sister because my niece has got to go there to do a competition thing for. Oh, plus you're know, you're something. hoping to see some co- fellow Coco Dragon luminaries too. So I mean, yeah, that's, that's worth it. And that makes it a business uh, expense, right? You can and then maybe and now, do some now, YouTube now, videos. Maybe we should send you a little bit of Patreon money there to visit go eight bits in the basement. So so your sister is trying to get rid of you. <laughs> no, she's actually dragging me off to Europe. Oh, she's going wow. too. That's not just a yeah. solo. Yeah, it's me and my sister and my niece are going. So okay. Oh, so so you're the uh, the the protection, the chaperone. I'm the chaperone. Yeah, they're doomed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm probably well, the least mature out of the three of us, but I'm the chaperone. Well, let's hope you're not going by Southwest. <laughs> British Airways. Actually, we had problems up here too. What is it, Sunwing, which is one of our Sunwing, vacation yeah. airlines, is completely shutting down until the end of February. Now people are scrambling trying to get alternate flights and alternate. Airlines trying to get back. It's even worse than what happened with Southwest. Why are they shutting down for? They're only shutting down in the Prairie Provinces. They're still flying to places like Vancouver and Toronto. Yeah, but there's people in Mexico and stuff that are actually literally trapped there and can't get back now. So yep. it's, it's just stupid. So that's another point to point airline with no hub where they can't. Yeah, basically, I think. Yeah. So okay. uh, hopefully we look forward to this. No, is this uh, just to, for the viewers that are just joining in? Um, is the ta- time and the day of the week of the live stream of the game on challenge still the same as it was at the close of last year? Because it did change near the end of the year. Yeah, we went back to uh, doing it on Thursday evenings, and I think uh, that was working well. And you're muted. Slipping, you're you're muted. muted. As much as we don't like to hear you, you're still muted. <laughs> now I'm not. We're going to talk or something. So Thursday, at what what time? Sloopy? Oh, okay. No, I started to talk and then you were talking. That's why I was like. <laughs> oh, okay. Welcome to Glitch Fest 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Self-induced. If, if you want to do the game online in addition to the uh, challenge too, I mean, I'm not, I'll, I'll let you do it. Oh, no, you're doing such a wonderful job doing the live stream, Sloopy. I, I, I do not want to step on your toes. Uh you usually do when we're dancing. Oh god. It's only because you keep trying to lead. I I'm So what 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 time is it then at at now on Thursdays? Um it is Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern time. So 8 p.m. Eastern. Five, uh, five o'clock my time. Central, six p.m. Uh, mountain, and uh it's five four o'clock my time. People no, on it's five o'clock coast. Can I, can I add another glitch I just noticed in the chat, too? Uh, the uh, automatic ones that go out are still saying the old show title. So I'll have to fix those, too. 
Good BB. I'm trying to get everything updated. Okay. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention it because I just noticed it. And this is this is not a full natural regular show here. This is one where we're expecting to hit some glitches because this is our first time to test the new uh, the new car out basically and, and see what happens. They're all unnatural anyway. Let's drive it into a tree. Yeah. Ah, right. trees ahead. Full speed. Can we get one of those pine tree air fresheners for it? Sorry, Mr. Dave. Yeah. That wasn't intended to towards you. Okay, do we want to try it? Uh, are we done with the game on? Uh, yeah, I have yeah, nothing. I so. uh, anything else you want to say, Sloopy? Um, play often, play early, and please join us on the show so that we can get more live players. Uh, in the new year, we are hoping to beat our previous record of nine players at one time. So, and we now have, we'll, we'll have several games going at once. So even if you don't like one of the games, there's got to be something that you like, but we will still also be uh, play, uh, allowing anyone who's playing any game on the Coco to be on the show. Yeah, Even if it's Nightmare Highway? Even if it's even, Nightmare yeah. Highway, even if it's Predator, we will we will even play Predator, but expect us to make fun of you. <laughs> I was just thinking, like maybe we should call nine one one in that case, and that person should be getting help. Yes. Well, yeah, but that's not our job. <laughs> we our are, help is to make fun of them. Yes, we all need <laughs> help in one way or shape or form. So why? If we put Predator on, it won't be based on the score. It'll be based on the swear words. Whoever yeah. has the best swear words. Or how quickly you get called into the loony bin. It'll be one of those, yeah. Swear words per minute. <laughs> now, I, one other mention before I before we go off the uh, the live game on challenge. I did want to mention that X were online plays now like Coco 1, 2, 3, MC10, everything. So yeah. if you don't even have a Coco or you don't want to set up the emulator and stuff, you can actually just go play it online and join in that way as well. And yeah. if you go on the color computer archive, a lot of this stuff actually has a play now button right next to it. You can just click on that; it'll instantly bring it up for you, so you don't have to, you know, get Doesn't things set up and figure out how to mount an image and all that crap. Yeah, does the world of dragon do that too? Do what? Uh, yes, I believe they do. Yeah, yeah. I also will be doing a video on how to get um, Xworks set up and running, so that uh, you can go from start to finish and learn how to be able to be on the show using Xroar. Cool. And I think Kieran, I can't remember if he's released it already or not, but he was actually going to change the default. For those who do coding and you know writing programs and stuff, he's going to change the default behavior in XOR. So it won't just write it to slash nil so that when you exit, nothing's saved. He'll be fixing that as a default too. So thank uh, you, Karen. Now that's that. going to throw off all the old XOR users who are used to it. <laughs> yeah, but that's only Kieran. I think he's the only one who preferred that behavior of like, oh, I just spent three hours changing this code. I saved it. Exit. Oh, it's all gone. It's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> Which has burned me more than once. <laughs> so that means I won't have all these .back files all over my computer? Oh, you probably still have those, I think. Oh, no, I said soon. Got to give me VSC bug to squash first. So look forward to that in the near future. But I want no. it now. <laughs> Now, Mr. Mark B there, uh, you were yep. mentioning before I sideways us again. I'm, I'm another glitch in the matrix here. Uh, did you want to test something or did you want me to go on the game on news? Um, let's uh, try a couple of commercials and see how they look. Okay. Uh, let's see. This will be our PSA one. Let me share so you guys can see it. 
The Coco Nation Show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation Show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, Mike Rayburn, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retrotech Time, Rob Inman, Steve Batson, Terry Stege, Tom C., Thomas Sorensen, Tom Gunderson, and William A. Thing. Thank you so much, patrons. Tired of your color computer art input device being low res? Joey has you covered again. Switch between three joysticks or mice. Select the left or right port on your Coco. No more swapping joystick ports. Switch between standard and high resolution mode. Supports the Tandy and the Max high resolution mode. Order yours today at cocoman.biz. today at lcurtisboyle.com. And we're back. I like cool. those new commercials. Yeah, I do yes. like the winning artwork too. That looks really nice. Mm-hmm. I got uh, two more. We could do a little bit later. Cool. Bring them now, on. Grant, uh, during the during the uh, presentation of the ads there that we tried, and they all they all worked. They didn't glitch. Um, you had an announcement uh, to to talk about. 
about yeah, the Patreon. I just want to rem- just want to make sure everybody is aware that uh, if you haven't switched from the Coco Talk Patreon to the Coco Nation uh, Patreon, uh, make sure you get that done because the last time that we'll be accepting money from the uh, Coco Talk Patreon will be on uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's the first, yeah. So that will be the last time that we'll be able we'll be using the money from that uh, from that Patreon, and then it should be shut down hopefully. Uh, so make sure you switch it from the Coco Talk patron over to the Coco Nation patron. You can just do a search for the Coco Nation and uh, get that switched over to us. Cool. Well, thanks for that. And also, I guess, <clears throat> since we've got you kind of on the spot anyway, and before I get on the Game on News, uh, there's also an update on the tandylist.com for booking your tables and booking your meals, uh, the dinner tickets, and the actual, as attendees, to Coco Fest 2023 at the end of April in Chicago. Um, is there anything special you want to mention there, uh, Grant? Yep. Just want to let everybody know that we have officially have opened up uh, registration. We opened it up uh, today, officially. So make sure you get in there and book and reserve your tables. The main thing that's going to be different from this year, from last year, uh, it's well, other than the new location, is there's going to be two different table sizes. So if you want to reserve a six-foot table, it'll be $30 per table. And if you want to do the eight-foot table, it'll be $40 per table. So, um, yeah, make sure you go to tandylist.com and uh, reserve your table. Also, if you're not going to be a vendor, uh, you can also go there to pre-register as an attendee and uh, also book your dinner for the Saturday night dinner. So, uh, do, do we have any details yet on the Saturday night dinner? Uh, yeah, it's actually on the website. If I'm... I don't have it pulled up here in front of me, but if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, it's going to be meatloaf, chicken, mashed potatoes, uh, macaroni and cheese, uh, salad with two dressings, and a apple pie, I believe, if I remember correctly. So it's actually going to be a pretty nice dinner. Okay, cool. That's the Saturday night dinner, just for those who have not attended the fest before. Yeah, that is correct. So Friday, Friday and, night uh, dinner is still on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. We might try to go someplace together as a group, you know, for like we some of us used to do uh, before the uh, pandemic, uh, or we might order something in. So, but we'll figure that out when time is closer. One other thing too, um, I'll be uh, making another post too here probably later this week. Uh, we'll be looking for people to give presentations as well. So if you are interested in uh, uh, doing a presentation, I know that Curtis and Ken are going to be doing one. Uh, just uh, send an email to me at uh, CocoFest at GlensideCCC.com or just reach out to me. Uh, my name is Grant Leedy on Discord, and I'll get you added. Cool. Just out of curiosity, uh, how many how many people here on the panel or in the chat are, are planning to attending? I am. I am. Just haven't signed up yet. Uh, yeah. Yep, I am too as well. Of course, I have to be there. Apparently, I'm doing a presentation, so I guess I got to be there. If you're not too busy jet setting around the world, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if Grant has to be there, then I'm going to have to cancel. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks, thanks a lot, man. <laughs> so the Coco Manual and yeah, way, way over. Now, for the people that just have static avatars, we can't see your ra- hands raised or anything here. So that includes Grant, Nick, and Alan. Are any of you planning anything? I'm assuming Grant, since you're helping organize, you're probably going to be yeah. there. Yep, exactly. I won't be. Okay. Alan? Any chance we can drag you out there for once? Oh, he might have had to step away. We can't even drag him here. 
And I expect with this being after, you know, since the pandemic's pretty much over, I have a feeling this one might be a pretty, uh, pretty big uh, cocoa mm. fest. So I'm quite excited. Yeah, I'm too, um, to be honest. I mean, because we had two kind of rapid fire, like you had that one in November. So there was a bit of a shorter thing and us Canadians couldn't cross at that time. So it was kind of, um, you know, some people hitting two that quickly is, is probably a little bit problematic, but uh, the bummer yeah, is and also, right after. And Neil Blanchard from Canada is also has already registered too. I noticed, so he'll be making it back down. So that's good. That's right. Yeah, because he didn't make the last one, did he? That's so correct. John, John in, did. Boise did. But. In the comments, Rob Rob Inman says uh, clearly Alan's uh, hand is raised in his avatar there. So, <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. So he's committed. Hopefully, Rob Inman can also make it too this year. It'd be good to see him. Yeah, Rob, you you have to make it out too because we yes, you haven't Rob. been there for a while now. And Rocky, you should uh, Rocky Hill, which is of course Pedro. You should you make it out too. Actually, everybody should just come up. Yeah, that's that's all I got to sure. say. It's a fun time. It's a lot of good stuff to look at. You get to talk to people who are doing development and kind of get into their ear and tell them stuff that you would like to see changed or updated. A lot of camaraderie. We have a uh, a jam session that some people like, some people don't. <laughs> so we'll see. Oh, I'm sorry. We canceled that this year, Curtis. Okay, I'll bring the marshal. Yeah. <laughs> Double stuff. You're yeah. too old, Grant. You're too lot. old. We're well, going to vibrate the doors uh, off the building for that, Grant. We'll set up in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I am, uh, work, I'm going to be working with uh, D. Bruce Moore. I think they're going to try to do some sort of programming uh, game uh, there in the social hours. So, therefore, if you don't want to do the jam session, you can do other things as well. So. Yeah, the one thing that I did hear from a few people is that we got a little bit too loud and they were having trouble even just talking to each other. So the one thing I think we'll have to do is just kind of tone it down so that people can enjoy the music. Or well, I think also something it. that maybe we should think about doing is, I, I mean, I don't know how easy it would be for Grant, but kind of placing those of us that want to be in the jam session over towards the area where the jam session is going to be taking place. So that... Uh, how, about, how about we use the uh, seminar room? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. We might be able, to yeah. be able to use one of the seminar rooms. Now, do you want to use that for the jam, or do you want to use that yeah. for private conversations where they can close the door? I don't. Well, well probably was, better for probably, the jam because people still may want to be looking at stuff on the booths and talking exactly. about them and stuff. No, that's true. Okay, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, we have two. T- we have two rooms reserved for uh, one for the auction and the one for the presentation. So the auction should be concluded by that evening, so we can. Uh, Probably move everything into that room and be fine. It's not nice that if you have a table and you have want to be in the jam session, you can't mind both in any way. But I guess that's just life. Well, if you're in the jam session, you're probably kind of occupied unless you're just observing. Well, the jam right. session is more after hours anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. just thinking about that people wandering around in the main hall and I'm off playing guitar somewhere. Being Eddie Van Halen, yeah. <laughs> Well, they can come back tomorrow and talk to you. <laughs> Tell them to come what? talk to you over the what? job session. <laughs> right. Anyway, it's a good time. You guys should definitely come out. I've been I've been attending uh, Cocoa Fest and Rainbow Fest since 1986, and it's uh, I've never had a bad time. I've been a- attending since 2022, and I've never had a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> what a track! Wow, what a record! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you were right next to me, and you still had a good time. That's pretty pretty awesome, actually. Well, actually, I was next to Taylor and Amy, so. Ah, right. Yeah, I kind of and, and some guy having on the to other, be next to me as well. <laughs> some guy on the other side, I can't remember who that was. 
We wouldn't shut up about something called Nitrous Nine. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully everybody can make it out. It's it's gonna be fun, and the dates are April twenty. I'm blanking. It's right on the screen. April twenty second, twenty third. Yep. Okay. Top corner. Yep. Oh yeah, up there corner. in the gray. I didn't see that. I was looking for the scrolling thing there. So. <laughs> Conveniently located in the upper left hand corner of your screen in a forgettable color. Well, that's <laughs> and that's that that is Mercedes gray. That oh. is Coco One gray. Right. I always call one it other thing. Gray. And, one other thing, too, just to let everybody know, uh, we do have a, a reduced rates for the hotel for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. So just not the Friday and Saturday nights that used to be at the old location. So That's great because actually a lot of people either like to come in early so they have some time to like decompress after a long drive. Or, you know, there's a lot of gatherings done afterwards that, you know, people like might go to FUD records or whatever else type thing. And, and, you know, you basically end up staying Sunday night anyway. So that, that's great. Great that you arranged that. Or just drive yep, all night Sunday for fun. All right. Even though my trip home is and a Monday. two-hour drive, by Sunday night, there's no way I'm driving home two hours. <laughs> yeah, Ken and I just go to meetings, and then we go visit the Amigos. and <laughs> <laughs> Sleep? Who needs that? Wait, yeah, you, you'll have to follow us. We'll do some live broadcasts on the uh, trip this year. Cool. Yeah, we'll just live stream the whole road tripping <laughs> with Ken and Curtis. Yeah, actually, when, yeah, you, when you drive that long without sleep, you start to trip. So Nightmare Highway 2. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and just to let everybody know, there is an elevator in this one. So uh, don't Okay, let but David the next lad. question is, is it functioning? Ooh. Does it light on fire? You know, that kind of thing. Not no, once we get there. <laughs> this one looks <laughs> no, nice. Yeah. This is a nice. This is a nice hotel, so we will definitely uh, want to have to be worried about that. Yeah, because <laughs> well, we had a broken I elevator before, and then last year, apparently, it actually lit on fire at some point. From what I heard. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, so, was Grant, in my is room this a guarantee from you? Is this a guarantee from you that there'll be no elevator problems? It is a tradition. Uh, not, not a guarantee. Can't guarantee anything. <laughs> <laughs> not an actual guarantee. <laughs> I mean, it's not a Coca Fest. The fire department doesn't show up. Yeah, for a couple of years uh, running. Yeah, that's true. Let's not get stuck in any elevators and let's not try to have any elevator related fires or other mishaps. <laughs> let's let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> I have to say, right. I mentioned I mentioned the FUD records like we've made that a tradition to gather there for on the Sunday. And uh, Wide World of Retro says FUD records, they have liquid cheese. So he's more excited about that than the entire Coco Fest by the sounds of it. So. I thought I thought FUD records, the, the at least the FUD records we went to. uh in past years isn't there anymore oh isn't it I, I don't know i'll have to double check with maybe like eric or one of the chicago guys but i because it used I to be not far from the galloping ghost or something wasn't it yeah i i'm not sure if that's there anymore i know ours is still here we're the last one in canada there's one in regina yeah, too is, yeah, did so it we reopen it because it was closed last time last i went there um yeah i went to it uh last spring I saw oh cool there. i didn't realize it reopened Ready for the news? Yep, game on news. Here we go. I'm a trash can. Yep. So that that's actually I think that was created by you, Nick Marentes, wasn't it? That's yep. intro. Yeah, made it a while back. 
cool. Yeah. That's why Pac-Man is up on the top row. Because um, it's his right. version. <laughs> and it doesn't feature any type of trash can. Wow. <laughs> so on this, on this screen, we've got a slideshow of games. And I really kind of need more of the game cover art to put in the slideshow. If uh, only there was a game-related Coco site on the internet. <laughs> well, if he wants box art, I don't have that on my site. So, is that what you're looking for, Mark? Uh, yeah, something like that. I mean, if you want screenshots, my site's got a fair bit. Though I've only got half the games up there still. But right. um, if you want box art, like you know, Nightmare Highway or, or Nick's uh, Coco Arcade Pack, yeah, yeah, maybe a few from Nick. Hint, hint. <laughs> Crikey. Oh, you need you need you need the art for Donut Dilemma. That is on there. Oh, it is. Oh, just wonderful. like Pop Star Pilot here. Oh, you just mean the more recent ones that he hasn't gotten up to yet? But do we have the artwork for Nightmare Highway? Yes. Is that really a game? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for can now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's Donut Dilemma. And and sixty points out. This is absolutely true. World of Dragon has lots of box art because they actually you know take photos of the actual cassette inlays and mm -hmm. stuff. So there's a ton of them on there. That's actually one thing. I yeah. I, I guess the Color Computer Archive has a fair bit of the art, especially for the Tandy stuff and some third party like some Spectral and Mitch Straw okay. and stuff like that. I'll kind of dig through some of that. See if I can find some more there. Yeah, there's there's more homework for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not busy enough, Mark. So please add more. Yeah, to your yeah. list. <laughs> Spare time. <laughs> or you pick the easy ones like Zaxxon and Puyang because it's basically the same artwork no matter what computer it's for you just scribble up the Atari 400-800 on the box label <laughs> at any rate <laughs> enough prattling around here let's uh, let's get into game on news shall we see if I crash my computer okay you guys seen that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 yeah you got about oh, yeah. 200 icons there. Was that all? I'm much showing the wrong one. <laughs> okay, so um, Gentleman's Pixel Club, and I will warn you, there's some uh, language. <laughs> uh, he, he, he's a game player that um, doesn't hold back as much as we do on the live Game On Challenge, so he'll swear a little bit, but he did a, a review of Rally SG on the Mr. FPJ, and I think, Nick, this is one of the ones that you had gotten a surprise order from Europe, yeah. and uh, you were kind of wondering about it, and you actually, you know, did a whole special episode basically on the game. Yeah, really sorry. liked it. He's a real fan of LSG. I know you've watched this video, and I'll let people go watch it because it's over twenty minutes. But what what did you think of his review? Yeah, no, it was good. He's, a, he's obviously a fan of Rally uh, Rally X, so it was good. Yeah, like as you said, it came out of the blue. I uh, wasn't expecting that, so it was a good surprise. And he, yeah, he's got a. Fairly good presentation there on his blog and everything. Yeah, it looks professionally done, so it's completely unlike our show. <laughs> there has to be some real shows out there. <laughs> exactly. Though he does swear more. We're a bit more family friendly. Um, he uses more colorful metaphors. Oh, yeah. Especially when he really gets into the game, which I, and I know a lot of us have experienced, too. I've let a few slip during the game on Challenge, too. That's why when Predator does come up, I won't be playing it because I, I don't <laughs> want to scare the kids. <laughs> but yeah he goes through like the uh the artwork and stuff he actually ordered the uh cd version or did he get just electronic nick do you remember uh i think just the electronic it was yeah 
Yeah. I don't think he'd uh, read the manual fully because he didn't understand what the orange dot did nah, yet. Nah. But, now that's standard. No one reads yeah, manuals. No one reads manuals. This game has a manual? What's a manual? <laughs> <laughs> See, Nick, you can make your downloads even cheaper. You don't have to send a PDF. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's actually a good review, and he does play it. He gets up to the bonus rounds and stuff, too. So if you want to see a little bit of uh, you know gameplay with a crystal clear screen here and uh, some commentary, it's definitely a good review to go to. And because people aren't you know hyping up Nick enough, the Amigos <laughs> came in, and they reviewed Jumpin' Joey. So I'll play a little bit of the intro here since they're friends of the show, and uh, then I'll let Nick talk over some of that, too. Timey Kangaroo Downsport. It's Jumpin' Joey on the Coco Show, episode 39. So I'll skip the ridiculous banter. We'll get right into the gameplay <laughs> here a little bit. And then... <laughs> now, Nick, this is when I actually I uh, caught you just in time to get you in the chat. <laughs> and I know one of the questions they had, because you have different little theme music that are Australian themed for each of the uh, three screens. And they put you on the spot asking which ones did you have on there. And I think you remembered two of the three. Did you ever forget what the yeah, third I one was? I've forgotten all the names of them. <laughs> They're um, fairly well-known Australian songs, but... Yeah, I don't know how many people actually know it outside of Australia, but uh, um, yeah, because Tommy Kangaroo got... Down, obviously, I think most of us know that one. Walting Matilda. What's the other one? Hang on, I've got a list here somewhere to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn, I've moved it. <laughs> we still don't know what the other one is. Something with a, a pub with no beer uh, by uh, Slim Dusty, I think it is, and there's also. Uh, Something about the kookaburra and the old gum tree. Yeah, kookaburra, I knew. The other one you mentioned, uh, that uh, pub one, that one is the one I did not know. Yeah, that's a slim, dusty one. So, yeah, I tried to give it a bit of an Australia thing. Originally, I, I was wanting to put the um, the down under one, the uh, the men at work one. Um, but that was a little bit more complicated, and I figured, well. It's, it's also more, probably more prone to a copyright strike, yeah, too. It's imagine. probably more prone to a copyright. Mm. So I thought, nah, better not. <laughs> and for those of you who are watching the video version here and you're seeing it, the game is at a fairly high level of skill at this point. It's several uh, laps yeah, through. Right. This is Buck Owens playing, of course. This is Buck Owens. Yeah, this is the video he did. So uh, the Buck Owens machine, game playing machine. Yeah. Now, actually, I, I, since we were talking about Jumpin' Joey and, and Buck Owens playing it, because he did discover one last bug we mentioned on the last show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Have you I made any progress on that? Or? No, I haven't fixed it yet. Well, no one else has found it, have they? So, <laughs> <laughs> If only one person reports uh, a bug, it's not a bug. That is something I do want to uh, fix, but I've just been over Christmas, um, busy, and uh, other things keep coming up, and I haven't really done it. But I do plan to fix it now and release a version a version 1.2, I think I'm up to. But like I said, no one's found it. So, <laughs> well, you have to you have to get to level six or something. Well, you have to get to up. level six. So, Mind you, if you want to see level six, get the. Uh, if you bought the CD, uh, it still has the original version one, which doesn't have that bug. I I incorporated the bug when I was fixing something else. And then, yeah, that's usually how it goes, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Fix one thing and destroy another. So between the two versions, you can see level six. But uh, yeah, good luck. <laughs> six, he just posted a bug that he found. Oh, no. Cut him off. <laughs> yeah, he says when you're on the super speed log, sometimes it doesn't pick up the bonus as it drags you over it. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I do know about that. Yeah, that one's a bit more difficult. To... I call that a feature. There we go. <laughs> that's what that his do that. say. That's right. I will say, Nick, I'm jealous because you just reported that basically when you when you uh, fix a bug, you you create another bug. And, and in my case, usually when I'm doing stuff with nitrous, I fix a bug and I create about 10 new ones. Yeah. So I'm kind of jealous of your ratio. It was, they have a song for that. A song? Yeah, it sang the tune of 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, take one down, pass it around, 101 yeah. bottles of beer on the wall? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> take one down, fix it up, and then there's 101 bugs. Is that kind of how it goes or something? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And then you start with 101, you fix another one, and then you get 105. Yeah. It's good, it's good watching Buck Owens play because um, in the river scene, in the river scene, you see how he tries to uh, milk all the bonuses by jumping around the logs and all that, which is uh, pretty good. You know, it's a pretty amazing uh, how he can do that. Yeah, I'm just jealous. <laughs> right. Well, he's a freak. And uh, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is the end of level five. I don't think he quite makes it to level six. Not on this one. That was a different video. I think he did the. Uh, yeah, he six. did a, a separate one. Yeah, but this one, yeah. He didn't quite make level six. Yeah. Hey, for those of you who've not tried it, it's it's a great game. I'm, I'm not just stuffing it you know, for uh, for Nick here because he's here. It is actually oh. a really good game. There's well, a lot of you, uh, give me my innovation, bucks. extra stuff like you added the stockyards in and stuff too. So there, it's not just a Frogger clone. There's some extra stuff to do. And I will mention that this video here, I mean, Aaron and Boat, of course, have their typical sense of humor as they're going through it and their ridiculous banter, which basically they pick something loosely based on the game. And then just go off in it for 10 minutes and uh, you know, try to make you laugh, which is probably one of the biggest things about their show. It's just fun. Kind of like Cocoa Fest. Except with professional production. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Next up after that... This was uh, on the World of Dragon forum. So those of you that are interested in the dragon... Um, 32 Dragon 64, the Dragon Tano. Tano. Um, this is their uh, forms where you can actually like talk back and forth to each other, and also they do uploads of some of the AGD games and stuff you can grab from there as well. But this is a post on there uh, by Dr. Mark B. I don't think that's Mark Bosley, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but he posted <laughs> photos. <laughs> no. <laughs> he posted some photos of his grade 7 and 8 students trying retro gaming on the Dragon, and this is using... Karen, 60 in the chat's uh, online version of XROR, and they're playing Flappy Bird. You can see that it's on actual you know, PC laptops here, but they're playing the Cocoa version of Flappy Bird. Uh, sorry, Flagon Bird is the actual name of the clone version, by, uh, written by Steve Bamford, of course, we had on the Dragon Special last year. And they, there are their comments on this. This game is really hard, <laughs> which I, I can totally agree with. And the highest score was 21. And I'm trying to remember, I don't know if you remember, Ken, we have played this game before on our game on Challenge, and I don't think we scored too much higher than that for the, the winner. But uh, it's, it's not an easy game. It's just... our... Or did we? I don't, don't think we played this one on our... No, you haven't. Oh, we haven't? Okay. Well, there's another one for you. <laughs> you know, when, when we get to the point where we play a couple of good games that are not uh, frustrating as heck, then you can throw this one in here to stir things up a bit. There we go. That should bring a lot of colorful language to the live stream. This is like Robin Hood, except it's harder and more frustrating. <laughs> Any of those of you who played Flappy Bird on the phones will know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and it's just cool seeing, like, actually getting kids involved to actually play the game here. So, 
Shouldn't these uh, kids be doing um, mathematics in in the classroom? Except they're playing. Oh, they are. Video. They're learning to count to twenty-one if they're if they're that good to make it that far. <laughs> Getting them ready for a life of gambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's an income. <laughs> Next up, I covered chronologically gaming the last time we had a show a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> and he's doing this and just to restate uh, what his purpose is here and how it works for those that have not watched it. Um, he's basically doing every weeknight at 9 p.m. Eastern. He does roughly an hour, give or take a few minutes. I'm going through what his plan is to go through every single video game release on console, arcade, or home computer. He's trying to do them in chronological order by year and, and date within the year if he has a firm release date. Otherwise, he just groups the ones that doesn't have a firm release date, just released this year and kind of runs through them. And he just in 1980 here, he's just started doing Coco stuff. And he actually titled this particular episode Go Coco because um, he had a couple of Coco games came up here. And this is still the tale in 1980. So these are the original Radio Shack Tandy releases because basically there wasn't any third party stuff out until the very, very end of the year. And uh, there are games that I can't find. Um, so I'll give a little bit of a feel what the show's about, and then I'll skip ahead to just show a little bit. Hey, it's Chronologically Gaming, the only channel that's going to be perpetually retro because we're playing every video game in order of release. The good, the bad, and the ugly video games, we're going to play them all. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to 1980. If you just... So what he did here is Pinball, the original, um, which, of course, if any of you have played this, that doesn't really have the best physics. <laughs> um, but it does let you design your own board, save them to tape, and then reload them and share them with your friends. So it's 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 a very early uh, thing, similar to what we're doing with uh, Cocobon, uh, which is part of the Game On Challenger. We can design and share with your friends. So um, just a quick uh, round the panel here. Have any of you guys played the original Tandy 1980 pinball cartridge and, and have any thoughts on it? Not me. Yeah, uh, no, I've nope. played it, and yeah, it's uh, definitely got some interesting physics. <laughs> right. I did make a few games on it, though. It was pretty cool for its time. Yeah, yeah 1980. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i trying to remember. Apple had, uh, what was it? Um, Pinball construction set or something? Yeah, definitely yeah, something was on like was going And uh, midnight yeah, something is it? midnight. Yeah, midnight something. Yeah. And those both let you design your own. Pinball construction yes. set did. Um, and I'm trying to remember. Do you, do you remember what year that came out? Was that a, like in 1980 summer or was it later or earlier? Uh, I think it's later. I think it's like 83. But I have to go. Mid look. Midnight uh, commander. Or, yeah, the midnight one was uh, made, and uh, they basically uh, said, "Hey, we can make a whole pinball." Um, making game out of this, out of what's here, and that's what they did. Okay, Buck Owens is also mentioning Night Mission Pinball, which is another early one yeah. I remember on the Apple. Yeah, that's the one I mean. It's it was like yeah, they made it, you're like, let's make it into a full game that you can actually make your own pinball, and that's what they did. Yeah, I just found it interesting on the Coco, we actually got a launch title, which is what pinball is one of the original eight, nine cartridges that came out in 1980, and we actually had a make your own game. That early on in the Coco's life, I think that's pretty pretty unique. And to be honest, that was the best part of this game was making tables. The yeah, yeah, because you could draw the lines, you could put the bumpers, those little blue squares that pop once you hit them. The bumpers stay there and just ricochet the ball around, but you could actually draw all over the place. And you could hide the crappy physics. It was really and the physics were 
about as janky as the Atari 2600 pinball, which I also played a lot of. Once you got <laughs> used to where the physics were going to break, you could anticipate it. And yeah, like Rick said, you can design boards to hide it. So yeah, you know, you can kill a good weekend in the summer with, with this guy. It's all right. Yep. And it does have like gravity and stuff in there. Uh, probably a little bit heavy for a pinball game, but uh, you know, it wasn't horrible and it ran in a 4k cocoa. So it was, you know, a plus that I way. Can, I can see what they did. They squashed the physics to make the screen fit. And so it looks weird. Hello. Hey. Hello. So yeah, it's, it's a, uh, Paul, did you pop in? Cause we're talking about games where you can design your own boards. <laughs> Uh, not really, but okay. Because you just happened upon it. That's of course your game. Just doing that too. That's part of the challenge. So, oh, this is the first Coco game that allowed you to design your own boards. That was Pinball by Candy. S- sorry, I was trying to test my audio and interrupted. I apologize. <laughs> anyway, it goes through a bunch oh, of other games glitch. here. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we know that's happening. <laughs> and then he went through K- Quasar Commander. Now, this is somebody I think patched What's it a bit here. Pinball? Sorry, what? There was another pinball game uh, for the Coco, just but just back another Coco one. Oh, you mean you mean on this video, or you mean in general? Yeah, on this one, just 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 before you moved away. Uh, not on the Coco, there wasn't. It looked like a, a Coco, mm-hmm. unless it's the same. Like that? That's a pool game. No, no. You had it there just as you were moving away. I don't think so. I don't remember because I watched this one live. Actually, I, I will mention actually if you watch his show live at nine PM Eastern each each uh, weekday on Twitch, he does put all these videos on YouTube afterwards the day after. But basically, it's a live interaction like we are. You can chat with him and give him pointers. Like sometimes he hits a computer, he doesn't know how to like load the program in or something. You can give him some help, or you can just comment on the games too. Because I've commented on some of the Apple II and Pet games because there's a few of those I played back in the day. But. Uh, yeah, it's fun watching it go through and, and seeing some of the innovations on the various platforms as you go. So Quasar Commander, another launch title. This, of course, had some pseudo 3D graphics that you know scaled up and down. This one's been patched to give you artifact colors. I don't believe the original cartridge did that whatsoever. Um, no. And in this case, it actually doesn't look too bad with the, the patch. There is one, though, on one of the other videos, which I'll get to here. He did skiing, which is still one of the better 3D games, I think, on the Coco. But somebody patched it to have a black background. That doesn't work for skiing. Sorry. It should be left alone. It was fine the way it is. <laughs> yeah, Nick, I think that other pinball thing you were talking about is he had this display screen for the pinball cartridge and box art. Yeah, that's something else he tries to do. He tries to show you the manual and the box art, too, uh, even of the arcade cabinets. <clears throat> and here, like some of the screenshots, I don't know, I'm sure where he grabbed him from, but it's actually, you know, it's, it's obviously running a Coke with emulator without the RGB set right, so it's displaying grays and stuff into the proper colors yet when he plays the game it's usually correct so and super bust out he quite liked too uh i think just because at, at this time period the 1979 1980 1981 time period the atari 2600 was rather famous for having like a bazillion different game variations per cartridge like i think space invaders had 112 we had like invisible barriers and double ships and all kinds of stuff and most home computer games did not have a lot of options super bust out actually did because you can play head-to-head two-player you can do sideways you can have gravity on and off and a whole bunch of other things too so it actually was fairly customizable so that part i think impressed him a bit um 
And this is so, one, of course, Glenn Soggy's talked about during our interview where he had to, a bug found at the last minute and he had to try to squeeze the code because he didn't have enough bytes free on the 4K ROM that Tandy demanded that it fit in to uh, to fix the bugs. So, sorry, go ahead, Alan. So the game is called Super Bust Out, yet on the cartridge, what, what does it say? I think it just Why says not? Bust Out, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm it wondering. Why not Bust Out? Yeah. It's a bit weird. Yeah, I, I I can't explain that one, but uh, yeah, I, have no I had that game as a kid. I played that a lot. Yeah, it was a fun fun one, especially with two players. I mean, single player got more like any pong game. It's or bust out game. It's kind of boring. There's they come some arcade stuff. I think. Okay, let me cover another one here. Anyway, there's a, there's a lot of cool games. I mean, there's a, they picked some arcade games that I've never even played or even seen before. So, and a few Apple games I've never seen before as well. So that's, that's kind of neat just going through it all. I will also mention he also does handheld electronic ones, like the ones that kind of do the LCD or, uh, like the football game. L- yeah. LED and LCD. Like he's got a few LCD ones that he's played as well. So there's some pretty cool stuff in there, but, uh, And here he started into 1981, so here we got into skiing. For the TRS-80 color computer, let's see what the color computer has for us. Here's the artwork. There's the front of the box for skiing. Yeah, he's not a big fan of the stylized uh, artwork, but the inside actually had a little painting thing, so it looked a little bit better start to use the 3D term, and it's almost like video games. Now, whoever patched it for uh, artifacting, that's an abomination. Night Rider. the first time. Well, I think that's what he was trying to do. Like Night Driver, we didn't have an official Night Driver for the Coco, so I wonder if he just did that to whoever patched it to make it look like that. But honestly, it was better as a skiing thing because I mean, you have hills and everything else you have to worry about. So it just doesn't make sense to me to change to this color palette. I would change it back. This is still one of my favorites, so to show off the Coco, especially as early as this game came out, because nobody else it. on any of them actually did uh, you know 3D with hills and everything else that far back on a home computer that I know of, unless you guys know of any. Anyway, it's a definitely a fun channel. If you're into gaming, it's a, it's a great channel to watch or even have in the background. Like you said, he's interactive in the chat, so he'll respond to you. Um, he does five shows a week, about an hour each. And uh, he's you know whipped through the 1970, well, pre-1974, 72, you know, going back to like computer space and stuff, and then up through Pong and all the... Five billion derivatives of Pong, and it was, and now he's into 1981, which he's got you know five, six hundred games he's got to get through, and of course that's just going to get worse and worse. And it's going to be busier and busier. And as he said, this is a channel that can go on forever because uh, he'll never catch up. <laughs> so he picked a good uh, subject to go through. And this one here, he covered a, the, the first of the third party ones that came out in 1981 for the Coco. Uh, covered a couple by Spectral. There's a few others that I, I got him the dates uh, a little bit too late. He'd already kind of got into it because I missed a few with uh, being busy here. Uh, so he covered a couple of Spectre ones. So he's got Space War, and then he did micro, or, uh, Meteors, Color Meteoroids, that eventually got changed a little bit and then resold through Tandy as Microbes. So you guys are probably more familiar with that one, which is kind of an asteroid-style game. Um, but this is the first time he's covered the third-party stuff, so... Uh, space war, if I remember correctly, it's it's it, it requires both joysticks. So one steers the gun, one steers your ship type thing, and you've got you know gravity from the black hole and everything else. So it's it's fairly hard to play. And he's using, of course, an emulator with you know modern controls, 
I don't know if that would be worse or if that would be better <laughs> for an analog game that both joysticks are based have to be analog. <laughs> right in the middle of his screen. Please identify yourself. Look what he put. Yeah, that's because I was in the chat chatting him up. <laughs> There's actually another part on uh, was it Space Force or one of the other ones that Spectre put out that time. They actually, instead of asking just for your name, like identify yourself, it says, or it says something along the lines, can you please give us your name for the mortician because they expect you to die? I thought that was a rather funny addition <laughs> to it. <laughs> so this this particular one here, I've actually shown the Twitch page. Now, if you go to our Discord, you can get the show notes for the news there, and uh, I have the links there, but if you want to watch it live, I mean, you can just go on Twitch and look for chron Chronologically Gaming, but the direct link's in there too if you want to go check it out uh, just by clicking the link in the, in the notes. Good, good channel though. If you're into gaming, it's it's a lot of a lot of fun to watch. And sometimes he's found some real gems. There's some stuff that that I knew was really good that he'd never seen before. But he found a few that I'd never seen before that were quite good too. So next up, um, Stephen Hertz posted that the SoCal Southern California Vintage Computer Gaming Group has another free event happening on February 5th. So just over a month away from noon until 8 p.m. in Claremont, California, and. Um, so they got the map and stuff here. So it's a completely free event. There's no admission fees or anything else. And uh, I know on their little picture up here, kind of advertising the event, there is a Coco 3 in there. And there, I, it sounds like they've had Cocos at the show before. I was wondering, is there anybody in California that's ever been or even anywhere else that's been to this show? I'm not familiar with the show. I don't know if we've reported on it before, but uh, I'm just wondering if anybody here has an experience of what it's like or even knows who, who's involved with it. There aren't many people in SoCal. I mean, Wayne's down there, but... Uh... Wayne Campbell or Wayne Aaron? Yeah, or? Wayne Campbell, yeah, but yeah, Wayne Campbell. But yeah, I, I went to uh, um, OT Hugo. But yeah, there are just that many Cocoa people I know down there. So like uh, like at this far south, is that like beyond LA down towards San Diego? Is that what this is kind of primarily for? Or is Claremont? It uh, it's, it's in the general LA area. I don't think I've been to Claremont, but it's very packed. There's a lot of, a lot of city there. <laughs> okay, because <clears throat> I'm... Um, I think Steve Bjork's from around that area too, isn't he? Yeah, he would be. So I think there's a few people down there, but yeah, it'd be interesting to get somebody uh, down to that show just to see what it's like. Uh, Wikipedia says Claremont is a suburban city on the edge, eastern edge of Los Angeles County. Okay. Uh, yeah, getting up towards San Bernardino. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been there. I've been to LA, but uh, I don't recall no. driving through Claremont. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of city there to go through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can't even tell where one starts and the other ends. Exactly. <laughs> okay, next up after that, uh, Robert Sieg, who um, has done a lot of MC10 programming. He's done been doing the stuff where he's involved using the Game Boy Color um, game editing tool, which is meant to make tiles and sprites and maps and stuff like that. And he's we featured him on before where he's been doing these little conversion utilities to convert this stuff over to the MC-10, and then you can use that on your own games that you're writing on the MC-10. So he actually uploaded a couple of videos here showing some gameplay of some of these games that he's ported over. <clears throat> and some of them require the MCX basic extension. Some of them are, have ML subroutines that could run on less. And a couple that he's posted here are basically conversions to higher res of Jim Gary games that he's done. So I think both of these next ones here, Pitman, which is the one here on the screen now, um, is converted over to basically the equivalent of a P-Mode 1 on the Coco, uh, but running on MC-10. 
And uh, he's using his own library set of routines for doing some sprite stuff. Plus, he's using the Game Boy uh, Color utilities to create the actual graphics for it. And it's it's kind of cool to see because we've got another developer actively making ML, you know, based uh, MC10 games as well as, you know, several others that we've been covering over the last year or so. So the MC10 has been getting a lot of love and actually getting a lot more love on the high-res graphics than just the semi-graphic stuff that uh, is usually done. That's for this figure. That's the basic part. And then he's got the ML routine that actually does some of the uh, the drawing here. You guys might recognize this from the Pitman semi-graphics game we showed earlier, but uh, basically it's push blocks around so you can get to the exit um, without trapping yourself. And like like Coco Bon and uh, Pinball, this one also lets you edit and make your own screens as well. So that was one he did. <clears throat> and this one has been off and on all week. Sometimes it loads and plays, and sometimes it doesn't. And today it's not. Uh, but that's Bandit, which is another game that Jim Gary had done and he converted over. So you can go check that on Facebook. Hopefully it works for you. And then this was, uh, he called this one Memory Lane. This was actually just going through a bunch of converted graphics on the MC10 that he's loading off on the emulator for virtual cassette of just various images that is converted to uh, P-Mode 1. Um, you know, some recognizable faces. I'm sure you guys recognize that one. If you don't, you're not a proper geek. And then Jim Gary had a couple of updates as well. So the first one here, he'd done a conversion of Lance Miklas's Dog Star Adventure game from originally from Venture International in 1979 for the Tier City Model 1 and 3. He converted over there earlier. He decided to spiff up the uh, intro screen here and he did a screenshot of it. So he's just using text characters to kind of like draw like Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper type thing. So that's, that's kind of cool. Um, it actually reminds me of the ASCII ANSI uh, animated Star Wars movie that used to be on the BBSs back in the day. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if these are based on those characters. And I'm assuming you can download the updated version off of his site. And then he also converted the Doctor Who adventure here. Um, now, a bit of background on that one. Uh, this was originally by James Smith in 1982. It was originally written for the Tyrus Eddie Model 1. And it's a text adventure game based on the Doctor Who uh, science fiction show, of course, from, from Britain. Um, but apparently the original one was a double load. You On a 16K tier city model one, it would actually load and play part of it. And then it would load another program to finish the game off because it was too big to fit in 16K. And he managed to cram it down to fit into the 20K MC10. So if you just have a regular 16K RAM expansion pack, it'll work. You don't need to have the MCX128 or the MCX32SD. Hope I'm remembering that right. Um, so we managed to compress it quite a bit here, but... Uh, if you're Doctor Who fans or text adventure game fans, I'd recommend go checking it out. And this is a one that's a kind of an ongoing story. So we covered this uh, probably about a year ago. There was a Japanese game system called the Compact Vision TV Boy. And if I remember, it has a VDG chip in it. So it basically is the same video chip that the Coco and the MC10 have. Um, but I think it was a Z80. I don't think it was a 6809 or even a 6803. But somebody had started trying to convert the game over using the graphic assets, et cetera, to the MC10, but then kind of stopped. And the video that I'll be playing here shortly uh, is from Jim Gary, but it actually shows basically how far the person got, which is basically just the animation title screen, uh, or not title screen, but the demo mode, basically showing the logs and stuff going across for Frogger. 
and lamented that, um, you know, I wish somebody would fix it, finish this off. And I, Simon Jonasson has now jumped on that and he's been doing multiple updates on Facebook almost every day of getting the code converted over to work. And he wants it to be able to run on a standard 20K as well. Uh, but if you can get it done, that'd be pretty cool because that'd be like an official arcade game because the, the original version that this is based on was licensed as a Frogger. So I'll be interesting to see how far Simon can take this here. Um, and uh, he's seems to be making pretty good progress. So I'm, I'm thinking he might be able to finish fixing it up. And so we, you might have an official Frogger, well, unofficial official Frogger for the MC-10 soon. So uh, good luck on that, Simon. I hope, hope you can get it done. But uh, just from the progress you've been posting on the MC-10 group and Facebook so far, it looks pretty good. Looks like a pretty good chance of getting it done. And that's it for the Game On News. Okay. So probably since there's a ton of regular news, you may want to do a commercial break. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's see. Start. Okay, we're in a desk space. Start to share <laughs> the screen. And here we go. RGB produces black and white video. One cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS80 color computer. TRS-80, MC-10, and Dragon computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual, and yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental.
This is not the Joey serial switch. This is the Joey serial switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at cocoman.biz. The music is back. after school. You know what Elliot's gonna do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. Baby, there's something I need to talk to you about. Remember when we first met? Everything was so easy and it felt like nothing could stop us. But now, everything is such a struggle. And <laughs> if I'm being honest, you're really starting to show your age. Can I get the check, please? Break up with 512K. Use two megabytes now with Nitros 9 Ease of Use Edition. Ease of use. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. From around the world to your nation, the Coco Nation News. With L. Curtis Boyle. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, that actually showed me a, a simulation of me trying to solder. Burning your hair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, look for Mike, screen sharing. Mikey got here just in time for the news. <laughs> yeah, lucky him. I can't share yet. There. Uh... Oh, sorry. All right. Uh, there you go. Just out of another glitch, that's all. Okay. Okay, seeing it? Yep, yep, it's blurry. Must be good. <laughs> okay, so the first chunk of stuff here is going to be Christmas-related stuff, because I thought <clears throat> I might as well get it out of the way here instead of uh, the, the next episode when we originally were planning on coming back. Uh, just because by January 7th, it's going to seem so dated to be talking about Christmas stuff. So it still seems a bit dated now because it's just about New Year's, but uh, we'll go through it anyway. So there's quite a bit of stuff, uh, like a lot of the retro computer stuff we're, we're putting in, like different graphic demos and, and musical demos and stuff here that are Christmas-related. And the, 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 we did the same, crossing the gamut from machine language, semi-professionally made ones, to people just homemade with the play command type thing. So we'll go through a few years. So this first one here is uh, Steve Boyko posted a video of his Coco 2 playing a little Frosty the Snowman with a snowman graphic. And this is one that he and his son Nick actually wrote. So this is like brand new. 
but just it's it's really cool to have the youngins kind of joining in and actually learning the the joys of programming on extended basic on the copo because that's not a a thing kids get these days here because you don't generally get a programming language with a, a computer the joys what's that the joys <laughs> yeah that's an old tv right phil go forward yeah black and white which is a you know for a color computer i'd rather have the color one but yeah, we'll go forward. That makes it 64. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we're, since we have a lot of Christmas stuff, I don't want to play the whole thing through, but uh, it was just cool seeing a, a father-son team kind of like teaming up to actually program the Cocoa there. So um, good good work, Steve, and hopefully you and your son can make some more stuff too. Look how big it is compared to the Cocoa. It's tiny. It's like five inch. <laughs> <laughs> and that computer's probably or that TV's probably got nine tubes in it. Still light enough <laughs> to sit on top of the cocoa. Well, yeah. Was pretty I strange. do remember like my very first Cocoa One, I had a black and white TV on it for probably about two years. I'd sometimes take it downstairs to the big wood grain, you know, floor model color TV, and then I get kicked off because hockey was on or something by my dad. But right. We all had a nine-inch black and white TV that was our Coco TV. Yeah, my BBS ran on it for a bit. I know that. Ah, Ken, since you're here and you did a bazillion things. Yep. <laughs> so I, nice I'm basically hat. just trying to cover stuff that's related to the Coco. So I will mention up front, there's a lot of other stuff that Ken covers during his, what did you call it again? 25 days uh, of? My ultimate retro advent calendar. calendar right. It was 25 right. days of various things that are cool to you. Yeah, hey, we still got the same shirt on too. <laughs> Those Hawaiian shirts all look the same. I can that's tell you have to be in the car with him for a week. There, it does start to smell. No, I'm just kidding. That's true. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's true. <laughs> so this first one here was December 19th. Do you remember what that was? Uh, that would probably be like Coco Two. Let's see Let's if see. he's right, folks. Hey there, everybody. I'm Ken. December 19th. Retro things. Welcome to day 19. Actually, I'll fast, fast forward, forward it. Retro. Oh, no. These are the type-in books. Now, you have covered this in the show before, but for those who have not seen that episode yeah. probably about a year or two ago, do you want to just quickly recap while I the video play? Uh, they're just a um, series of little spy novel things from early 1980s, and uh, in them there's a basic programs every now and then that you have to type into one of your computers, and it has listings for a number of different computers, including like the C64, VIC-20, uh, the uh, color computer, the Atari computer, Apple computer. And uh, yeah, you just have to type these in to either play little games or figure out why the program doesn't work. So it's basically teaching you some basic programming while reading a fun little novel. So is it is it kind of set up like a choose your own adventure where you read a certain part and then you have to do a program to get to the next part of the... Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, for instance, um, there's... Uh, um, always at the starting of the book, there'll be a little program you have to type in to um, decode a secret message. Okay. And then, so that it kind of tells you what your mission in the book is going to be. And then um, you'll get to, like, I mean, you don't actually have to type the programs in to continue on, but it takes the fun out of the book if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while World Retro is mentioning, he says, those are awesome. I have a couple of them, so... 
You're not the only one who's been playing those. These are actually something I never did see back in the day. I never never tried these yeah, before. Yeah, they you, you used to get them. Um, this is my uh, attempt to make my Apple II GS look like uh, a color computer. <laughs> the green screen. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> you recognize that Apple prompt? <laughs> and as we discovered last episode two weeks ago, they found out that the color green actually helps you heal faster. There you go. So now my uh, Apple II GS is set to this. So that's set, set to heal. Now, whether it can heal all the brain damage from using a 6502 or not, I'm not sure, but uh, <sighs> you can get back to us on that. <laughs> yeah, so like one of the things is that in this one, you're on a, in the story, you're on a um, a plane that's about to try to land and there's a bomb on board that explodes when you get down to a certain altitude. So you have to try to figure out a deactivation code for it. So you look through the program to find the deactivation code. Mastermind. But then you figure out that that doesn't work. And then you have to figure out why in the program it doesn't work and how to change the program so it will work. So that's cool. They're actually teaching you debugging, not just like, yeah. you know, print does this and input does this type thing. Exactly. That's cool. That's actually educational, but fun at the same time. Yeah, this is was uh, one of the reasons that I got into uh, programming basic stuff when I was a kid. So. Also, Alan in the chat says, there you go, Marco. Ken has thrown the gauntlet in the Cocoa on Apple Wars. <laughs> <laughs> No comment, Mark. I did. I'm sh- I'm sure I have more Apple II GSs than Ken does. <laughs> I may have more Cocos than he does too. So it's not the quality; it's the quantity that matters. Is what you're telling us, exactly. So, Ken, how many Cocos do you own? Um, if you count my MC10, six. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I have two Coco ones, four Coco twos, two Coco threes, and a Dragon Tano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy crap, you're more a Cocoa guy than I have. I should get my Cocoa card revoked here. I've only got a Cocoa 1 and a 2. And I've only got one Apple 2GS and one Apple 2E. So Uh, I have like eight Apple 2Es and two motherboards and a couple scrapped ones. But not E, Marco. (laughs) And four 2GSs. (laughs) Let the battleground, playground, battleground begin. It's not how many you have, it's how well you use it. Yeah, but Ken's is green. Yeah, I can make mine green too. It's a selection in the control panel. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, have you? No, they're still blue. <laughs> Which is the default. I mean, though that's a cool series of books. And having an yeah. educational book series where you actually learn to debug, I don't think I've seen some other like choose your own adventure style where you type in some thing that does a translation of weird asking into some secret message. I've seen a few of those before, but I've not seen one that actually Basically warns ahead of time. The program's buggy. You have to fix it. Yeah. And then if you can't figure it out, it does actually have a hint in the background. Well, take a look closely at this line, and it should, it's not doing what it should. So. Yeah. And then next up, we've got September the 21st. Do you remember what that one was about? That one should be by Apple II. Or my, sorry, my Coco II. <laughs> You've warped him, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. My job is done here. <laughs> My original setup from my childhood. Ooh, melty key. Color very nice. Two. Now, is that what you had originally? Was the melted keyboard version? I did not, actually. I had uh, the other the travel one, but it was only 16K, and this one's 64K. So. Oh, so you upgraded it a few ways. Yeah. But you did, you did start with cassette, not disk drives, correct? Yeah, I never had a disk drive until, like, well, Coco Fest last year. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, um, did you at least have joysticks? And if so, which ones did you have? 
I had black beauties. <laughs> All my gaming in the, my childhood was on loaded from tape or cartridge and black beauties. Jeez. Okay. Uphill snow both ways. What was that, Rick? Uphill snow both ways. Jeez. <laughs> Okay, you got that one right. This is going to be a Ken trivia contest if he knows even what his own episodes are. So let's see what the next one is. <laughs> December the 22nd, Ken, what do you think you were discussing? December the 22nd would be Coco STC. Is he right, folks? Surveys? Nope. Or type in books. <laughs> I forgot about those. <laughs> Oops, I forgot to play there. Those things were awesome. What I'm talking about yeah. are these game yeah, uh, ones. books. They released them as PDFs. Yes, I know. I've I've looked at that, but I still like having the uh, original books. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, those uh, you'll notice that those two TRS eighty books color is spelt properly. Yes, uh, properly. Yeah, that's because of where they were printed. Yep. Yeah, Mr. Dave sent me that space adventure one in the middle. I typed it up, put it on my website, and sent it up to the archive. There were some fixes for the disc. So that the middle one for sure is up there. I'm not sure if the other two have been all typed in and, and are uploaded. And if not, you have a mission. <laughs> I think, so the top yeah. one of your computer space games, that's actually a more generic one that was for yeah, multiple that's a machines generic like one your other book series. Machines. So it's more um, just uh, ASCII graphics and stuff like that. Things that no, will work. I'm looking all. at the screenshots they've got on the bottom. It actually looks like they're using like you know really low res graphics. Did the Coco versions of that actually use semi graphics like the the color stuff? Or actually, was it just there text? are no Coco versions in there. It's um the uh, oh just model one and three. Yeah, it's just model one and three versions. So to get them to and actually... then these ones here, the, the Coco specific ones, those actually did use some semi graphics. Because I think you showed a uh, a water yeah. racing game. Or the something water racing like speedboat. That was yeah. my favorite one as a kid. Another way that I—it's another way that I learned programming as a kid—is that I would type these in, and then I would just mess around with them and figure out what does what and change things. Cool. As I said in the video here, when I did the speedboat one, I actually uh, changed it around so that you could have unlimited. You'd had options at the start screen to have unlimited lives or to uh, be invulnerable. The invulnerable one was fun because I would always go off the screen and try to hit the trees. <laughs> I did notice um, that that the listing that you showed just before you went onto your speedboat thing here was actually using graphics modes. I saw line commands and stuff, so it's not just yep. text-based stuff on those either. Nope, no, these are these uh, two uh, color computer ones are all um, actual graphics. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get too many of these books back then. There was a few I got from the library, like uh, Creative Computing had a whole bunch of basic games by uh, what's his name. Something all the guy was in charge of computing basically. <clears throat> I did some of those, but those were so generic, everything was pretty well just plain text because they had to get it to run mm -hmm. on anything. Yeah. I think it's funny. The first book that you showed was the the ZX Spectrum, um, the BBC, and a bunch of Microsoft stuff. Yeah. Which is a really interesting division for you know generic sort of Britain style, Britain slash Canada style. It's cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if Ken knows the next one of yeah, his own. Yeah, this episodes. one's my Coco SDC. <laughs> You're positive? I'm positive. 
Let's see if he's right, folks. Unless you've decided to, if, unless you've decided to show my um, Coleco vision. Talking about the Coco SDC. Oh, you got it right, folks. I think you're even now so far. Ah, I've changed my shirt. Color computers, the color <laughs> one. Can I have yours? I know you were trying to change like your your Christmas. I wore different hats just every day, so. Yeah. And yeah, I think we basically. all know how well the, the Coco C SDC works. I mean, that's pretty well. If if people get a Coco again from eBay or find it buried in their you know attic or something like that, and get a, a lot of people SDC. ask, what should I get? This would be number that's one. It. Yep, number one item. Unless you don't have extended basic and 16K RAM minimum, then you should get that first because it doesn't work without that. But other than that, yeah, the SDC is definitely number one. And by far, in my opinion, the best... Um, add-on for any computer for use modern modern uh thing for computers that use sd cards yeah i mean with the sdc explorer especially that makes it so easy to use yeah because i mean i do have other ones that uh like for my atari computer and stuff that don't work half as good as the sdc yeah i agree with that that that's a really that's a double punch the software that came that you can get with it here with the auto you know, execute the menu system and stuff and, and the SDC itself. The fact that it emulates a hard drive <clears throat> and floppy drives, so you don't need two separate things. It has a streaming mode and a few other things you can actually do, like, you know, advanced graphics and sound with some of the demos that Ed Snyder and a few others have done. Oh, I mean, it's unfortunately, just kind of I do so, show some um, Nick Marinta stuff here. Oh, God, we're paying for him oh, again. Man. Now you'll sell product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's enough of that. Um, Checks in the mail, Nick. <laughs> And now December 25th, now you had kind of hyped up um, two weeks ago that you said it would be getting going in order of importance to the most important thing. So do you do you remember what that might be, Ken? Oh, God, this has got to be my Commodore 64. Because <laughs> <laughs> you love brown so much or what? Burn the heretic. Burn the heretic. <laughs> this is, of we course, my Coco 3. Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. I'm Ken. This is Canadian Retro. Theme. I'll let you do the announcement Welcome on this one to here on the day video. 25 of my ultimate retro advent calendar. Uh, day 25 means it is Christmas Day. Now, did you have any so first cocoa off, stuff hanging on your tree? Big uh no everybody that's taking a couple minutes um i couldn't put anything breakable in my tree because my cat one cat kept climbing it and knocking everything off so (laughs) what could i possibly have for day 25 well i have saved the biggest and the best for last this is my most used piece of tech in my retro collection this is something i use almost every day this is something that plays a big part in everything that I do now. Well, I think you're just uh, YouTube keeping channel, this going, uh, Curtis, because I ta- mentioned Nitrous 9. YouTube and, uh, so you're and talking about the, the power strip, right? I do <laughs> yeah. every day. Absolutely, my 50-year-old power strip. Is and the anti-glare clip-on for your monitor. That was the other thing I thought you were going to pick. Thing. So, so what is this particular thing? Well, let's just go and look. And what I am talking about is... Now, I won't play the whole thing because the people are watching or have to go watch it themselves here, but you kind of go through the fact it's that this uh, has been upgraded a bit. You mentioned the, the greatest 8-bit operating system ever made. Um, <laughs> yep. So thank you for mentioning ProDOS. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
But I think like you mentioned like you you you've upgraded this like it's not 128k. You've got a six through nine in it. You've got a five twelve k upgrade in it. Um, is there any other upgrades you're planning on doing? Too many. Um, on this one, no, because I've already got the new keyboard in it. The key keys, the clicky key switch stuff in it. So, like Rick Ulins or one yep, of its replacement. Okay. And do you have the um, little switch he does for swapping the alt control? I do. I haven't installed it yet, but I have it. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's right. I wasn't sending them out at first. So we gotta take yeah. it apart again. Well, I I have another one that I'm putting in another Coco 3. So <laughs> yeah. And I have to agree with you. I mean, out of I'm 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 obviously a lot more Coco centric than you, um, because I don't have any apples or pets or any of the other stuff I used to use as a kid. Um but it's it's still I don't know what it is about the cocoa. It's it seems to be a combination that was a hardware hacker's dream because we get a lot of you know proportionally more hardware hackers I think on the cocoa than a lot of the you know more game oriented systems. Uh, we had a really advanced OS. Uh, the cocoa three itself is for an eight bit machine quite advanced. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's one that it you if you run it for a little bit, you know just jumping back and forth between apps and stuff like that, it almost feels a bit more modern. Like it, it feels like you can actually get something done that you would want to actually do modern times, like edit a, a text document or something like that. Or, you know, and well, then... like if I can jump in for a second, go ahead. The, all of the money went into computing. There is no sound chip. There is no serial port. There is an expensive processor. <laughs> you know, it all went into computing and that shows when you're a programmer that wants to play with a computer, you've got a lot to play with here. Yeah, and even from the hardware perspective, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can speak to that a lot better than I can, Rick, but uh, it seems to be one that a lot of hackers like to fiddle with is, is the Cocos. The U, Pedro. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't have anything. Right, there's not a lot already in your way. It's just a CPU, well, a lot of RAM, you know. Their choices to, even though they were trying to be very economical because they were building around a re- rather pricey MPU, the choices that they made weren't bad ones. I mean, you've got the PIAs that gets you. I mean, the way they wired the interrupts is a little nuts, but yeah, that does get you um, some IO capabilities. You got serial, yeah, you bit bang it. It's annoying, but you can right. basically shape whatever you like. But the the DAC and the ADC circuit for the joystick can also be used as a sampler. The joysticks are analog, which was uncommon at the time. And, yep. you know, mm-hmm. can be repurposed as a mouse later, which other machines didn't do so well. I mean, look at the, the C64 right. mouse through that, right. you know, four-bit well, port. Can we add the the joysticks or, or proper potentiometers? You don't have to recenter them every two days. Right. <laughs> like like a tabs a lot because you bump them in the wrong place, but whatever. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's got a great CPU and enough hardware around it that if you are skilled, you can take good advantage of what there is. So, I mean, and and once you once you're using digital samples for your music, you're not limited. Everyone else, their sound sounds exactly like what that chip could do. And what did they end up doing? Going right. trying to figure out how to make digital noise with it. Coco came with that out of the box. So. Yeah, you know, maybe they were being cheap in some ways, but I think they made some good choices for cheap. Well, you couldn't have brought this in for the price with a sound chip and a serial board and, you know. Exactly. And then that's where my hat's off to Mark Siegel, because I know the restrictions he was working on as far as budgets go. And he he asked for a lot of these other things like serial chips and stuff 
And they basically, he had to make the choice based on the cost. And he kind of, I think his exact quote was, so he chose none of them, none of the special features that he wanted. And they designed the gimme to try to be able to simulate as much of that stuff as you could through software with some, you know, one well-designed chip that has, you know, the MMU and the interrupt system and a whole bunch of other things added onto it. And it actually became... And even the software, we bought the disk extensions, we bought the graphic extensions, you know. That's right. Yeah, no, it's we we bought all the software for Microsoft and put it in the Coco 3, and you don't have to poke to draw a line. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I only use the uh, Microsoft software to type the word DOS, but you know. Right, but it's there you know, <laughs> out of the box and and the SDC fixes that. It'll type the DOS for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another reason it's such a great upgrade. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a, it's 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 probably I would say for somebody that's interested in hardware, that's interested in gaming, that's interested in in programming, um, I think it's probably the best balanced eight bit machine. The only thing I think that might compete with it would have been the later Apple IIs, like the 2GS stuff that had some more advanced graphics and sound and stuff built in. A lot more expensive, of course. Uh, but they actually had a decent operating system you can get for it and, you know, a decent, a, a better uh, chip to program on with the upgraded CPU, et cetera, higher clock speeds. Um, but, you know, it cost five, six times as much. So I, I think, you know, given the restrictions, and I have to give Mark props for that, you know, he was trying to get some extra hardware that all of us wanted, like sound chips, et cetera, and, and, and couldn't get the budget for it. The compromise that he decided upon, I think he did a pretty good job on. I didn't think so so much at the time. Uh, I will honestly admit that I really thought it should have had a sound chip and a single port and a real parallel port and blah, 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 blah. But, um, you know, in, in retrospect, in hindsight, go ahead, Alan. It should have been a PC, but for a tenth of the cost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we were multitasking before the PC was, so because Windows One was more like task switching. And we had the multitasking even back to the Coco One and Two, even back in eighty three. Right. So this was more useful than my three eighty six at the time. It- yeah, my, my two eighty six, the very first PC I ever got, I ended up using my Coco more often. Honestly, and it wasn't quite as fast on certain specific things, but well, no, but I could start eight things and they all got done. Yeah. Hey, I've got this massive compile C compile going over here and I'm editing code over here and I've got a, you know, a, a game, a strategy game or something running in the background on a third window in case I'm getting bored with the other two things I'm doing at the same time. Oh, and I'm printing a listing too. Meanwhile, I forgot what I was waiting to do on the PC. So <laughs> yeah. I sit in the corner. Like Rick, I'm sure you probably did the same thing. I know Bill Noble and I did this. We'd be developing something, we'd be assembling something in the background or compiling something in the background that was going to take a couple of minutes because it's huge. And we'd be sitting there editing code or doing whatever in the other one. I actually had the other window where I set up the assembler compile to do a display seven, you know, a semicolon display seven at the end of the ASM or RMA command. So it would beep in, at me to let me know it's done. Oh, kit clear and just go over and then, okay, let's let's test it out type thing. And I didn't get that experience on the on the PCs until you know, 386DX40, we had an AMD chip. Um, I think running Windows 3.1, even then it wasn't as smooth. Right, because it was all preemptive. And on the Coco, no matter how hard you beat it, you could still type stuff in. So yeah. push it till it hurt and then just go type crap in the other window until something got done. <laughs> yeah. 
it's getting into some of those innards and explaining like uh, some of the things like, you know, keyboard buffers that every window has. It's not just the system. Every window has its own keyboard buffer that I want Ken and I to go to on uh, yeah. some of our live streams we're planning on doing here, which I'll uh, I'll bring Mark into the conversation after the news is done to talk a little bit about the plans for that. Cool. And this is another one that uh, Ken put up. Um, I'm definitely not going to play the whole thing of this because it's almost an hour. And this is along the Christmas theme as well. Now, uh, if you want to just mention, uh, which which demos did you include with this? Uh, Fantasia, Fantasia 2, um, the Sierra demo, and I think, was it Paul Shoemaker's demo at the end? Okay. Yeah. So, so for those that don't know, the Fantasia ones, there was two put out by Speech Systems. Those are the people that did like the Composer and Musica and Layer and all that kind of stuff. Richard Perry, I believe, is the guy that used to run it. And uh, they had published two of these Fantasias, 184, 186, and they're basically a bunch of Christmas graphics artifacted, mixed with some multi-voice music, which you can probably hear now if I shut up. And I did get copyright strikes on this. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, what was one of them for Frosty the Snowman from some group in Brazil? I didn't look that closely. Let me see. Oh. David Ladd got one, and it turns out that it's because uh, we, we kind of figured it was because they're trying to do the Frosty the Snowman live action movie. So they're jumping on anything that might be remotely Frosty related. Okay. Content. Right. But the nice thing about this these particular demos, they were not just static pictures. They actually did some animations, which I'll show a little bit here. So they actually did a nice gentle snowfall. snowfall. Yeah, one was Frosty the Snowman, one was on Jingle Bells, and one was on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> yeah, Dave found a list of all the copyrights of Christmas songs that are still active. The short version is most of them. <laughs> yeah, by somebody in some performance, right? Well, that's how it is nowadays. I mean, the people that are claiming copyright strikes on all these things had absolutely nothing to do with the original songs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. They've just picked up dead copyrights and right. said, oh, they're, it's mine now. They're mine now. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that Disney kept extending copyrights is something I really don't agree with. I know some other people. Yeah, the Mickey Mouse rule has to die. Because that, that, he's coming up, screw he's coming up, up again. Books. Yeah. And they're going to extend probably, it again if someone doesn't do something. Yeah. Stop it. It's like extended perpetuity is basically what they're at these days. Mickey Mouse will never go... I think it's even worse to let people that don't have anything to do with something just buy the copyright on it. Yeah, right. they did no work for it. All they did was spend a little bit of money to pick up, you know, some person's assets. Right. Right. And this one here, this one, I don't know if you guys can hear it here, but it's it's using a different um, wave, or not wavetable, but a, a different type of voicing to give it a bit of a different sound than the standard four voice music we get. Got a little bit of a different one, which is something that uh, I think music was the first one to support. Maybe it was Lyra. And by the way, I did not copy this uh, idea off of LGR. I was actually working on this. He released a video doing um, Fantasia 2, like yep. about 10 hours before I released mine. I'm like, oh, crap. Now everybody's going to think I copied him. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the title screen for uh, Fantasia 2. Now, here they actually wanted the artifact colors to be a certain set that actually tell you to, if the rope is blue, please. Press reset and type run 100 um, so that you, all your artifact colors come out. And it has a bunch of other songs, too. So it's basically the same author two years later, did uh, new graphics, new sound. Yeah. Um, 
can't remember if he had any animation support. No, I think he did some sort of a scroll. Oh, no, he's a frosted. There's one where he scrolls through kind of like the town where that kind of puts all the pictures together. Yeah, and then yeah, I think he had the frosty guy kind of dance around, didn't he? I don't I think so. Oh, yeah, it's Snowfall. Yeah. Right, there's there's, the, there's the scroll, yeah. And he went back to the play command to change the page. Yeah. Offset. <laughs> it gives the illusion of some, you know, multitasking. Oh, I know. Firefox is going to act up. Great. And of course, the Sierra Christmas demo is actually included on EOU. That was one that Sierra ported to a whole bunch of machines that yeah. they did their engine to. And that one actually is customizable. I think you can actually put your own Christmas. Yeah, you can um, put your own message and stuff in it. So that's got some nice animations with candles, blinking lights, a fire. Mm -hmm. On the Coco 3 FPGA, that demo is really cool because Santa will like fly his sleigh in at light speed on the side <laughs> of the screen and then fling across the screen into the chimney. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> we'll have to get you to give us a demo of that one there, Alan. <laughs> but I think yeah, that scrolling that one, message we just watched go by, I think, is the one where you customize. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. The, uh, <clears throat> the music won't play, though. It just sounds like a high squeal. Yeah. One, one thing that would disappoint me about the Sierra engine for the Coco is they, they did use a better sound. Like, they actually did a proper waveform to get a smoother sound. But they didn't do multi-voice, which they could have yeah. done since they're stopping the CPU anyway. They might as well have gone all out and just had it so you can break out of it. But but then again, they were porting this to a number of dis different systems. So, Yeah. yeah. I'd love to get an interview with, I think it's Chris Iden is the person that did the Coco ports of stuff for, for this stuff. So uh, I'd love to add, you know. I know when I talked to Ken Rogaway, who did the Fractalus and, and Cronus Rift, like he had six weeks for one and four weeks for the other to program them from scratch. From I think he based it on either the Atari or the Apple II version. Um, so I'd love to see if that's you know the kind of same tight timelines I had for the the Sierra stuff. And then I think you said Paul Schumacher's. Actually, I've got Paul's coming up in a different video. So like, yeah, I just wanted to include something modern in it. So and here's the one you're talking about about LGR. Yeah, geez, he copied off me. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, Christmassy seasonal holiday blurbs here. Yeah. This now, is... the funny thing about this is that he received a tape that he was trying to do, but I believe it's a Model 1 or 3 tape, so of course it doesn't work whatsoever on the Coco. So they ended up uh, running the, the Fantasia 2 demo instead, which he was pretty impressed with. And then he had an error when he tried to rerun it, I think, if I remember. But uh, you can go check out that version. Well, that was actually running on an old Coco 1, so going back to the, the original hardware. And then uh, Paul Paulo Garcia put up one here of the uh, Paul Shoemaker's latest one running on a real Coco 3, which I won't show the video here. You can go check it out. But Paul actually recorded one off the emulator, which gives a better quality screen grab. So I'll play that one instead. And now uh, requires a Coco 3, of course. So this is his, based on the original artwork by Pixel Jeff. 
which I believe he's used for some of his other artwork and some of the other uh, game projects he's done, like the um, poker squares and stuff. But really nicely drawn graphics there for 16 color screen. And of course, multi-voice music. That's beautiful. And, and you may recognize the, uh, the, the tonal quality there from uh, something like, yeah, his Ghost Rush game, because it's kind of using the same sound engine, I think. So a lot of fest- festive stuff. We had you know, people working with their kids to do Christmas stuff. Uh, Paul just jammed out this new one in record time. I think it took him less than a week. And then some of the old classics from 84 and 86 that like Ken and LGR and others discovered, like the Fantasia series by Speech System. So it's kind of cool to, to see a whole bunch of stuff come together there for Christmas. Uh, George Rooney also did a Christmas Fantasia too, as well, as well as a basic program that plays a, a number of different uh, songs. I I looked, I could not find, I had a Christmas demo that just loaded static pictures, but it had like Silver Bells and a bunch of other songs too into one full disc of Christmas music and, and graphics. And uh, I did not find it. It's around somewhere, but out of the 600 discs, I think I only got through 300 before I gave up. And then speaking of demos, uh, Paco Atakte, who we know as David Ladd, um, did some videos here where he actually took some of the original demos that Tandy used to do, of which he did videos for three of them. So this is the extended color basic demo that we had shown last week, but it was done like, you know, filming off of a screen. So it was kind of crappy quality. So we actually re-recorded these directly in, in MAME so that you get much better video quality here. And this this first one here is the one we showed last time. It's basically a demo of extended basic. I won't run the whole thing, but basically, if you watched uh, the episode two weeks ago, we kind of covered this particular one because this is a demo I'd not seen before, and apparently was run in Radio Shack stores early on in the Coco One era. And uh, this one's much easier to see if you want to see the details. And then he decided he might as well go through and do some of the other demos that Radio Shack used from the store. So he did both of the Spectral Associates demos, the original 1986 announcement one, uh, which was came out in the summer of 86, and then the uh, 1986 Christmas demo as well, also recorded you know, right off MAME, so it's crystal clear and looks as good as you'd see in an RGB monitor. I, I won't play all these, because I'm sure you guys have seen these a bazillion times before. Um, maybe just a little bit at the beginning here. This is a part that Rainbow, Lonnie Falk, Really like this because uh, they, they wrote up about it in the September 1986 issue of Rainbow Magazine. And he said he really liked the intro scene because it showed the palette shifting of a sunrise. And then it had a rainbow go across the screen while playing some music. And, of course, Rainbow Magazine, he thought that was awesome. They put a rainbow in there. So I'll play that little clip and then we'll, we'll go on to the next one. I remember how excited I was when I first saw this in store, too. Especially when you're used to Coco One and Two graphics before that, and for the uh, audio listeners, it's basically having a sun rise up from behind mountains and showing all the different color palettes of the sky and the mountains changing as the day gets brighter, while saying "looking toward the future" at the top. It's a Coco Nation commercial. It's <laughs> about. And then a little rainbow that's rotating through the colors there and playing some music. 
I don't think that'll get copyright struck, but who knows? So I'll stop. So for those of you not seen it, it's just a 128K Cocoa 3 demo disc that Spectral Associates wrote. And Spectral was one of the companies that had early access to Cocoa 3 before it was released or even made official to the public and wrote a couple of the earlier games. Even some of their games later on for the Cocoa 1 and 2, like Interbank Incident Cavewalker, were written with the Cocoa 3 in mind. They knew it was coming out, so they actually had hidden things to do, you know, choose between RGB and composite, which if you were a Cocoa 1 2 owner, you would go, what the heck is that? And it would only ask you if you actually had ran it on a Cocoa 3. So we didn't even know that those games had code in them hinting at the new Cocoa 3 already and released before the Cocoa 3 came out. And then he did something different here too. Now, to get the full effect of this, you're either going to have to be listening to us on stereo with speakers on either side of your head or headphones. Um, There's special versions of Fantasia and Fantasia 2 that Dave found that were done using the stereo composer sound pack from speech systems. Now, this is something that came out a couple of years before the Orc 90 got ported to the Coco. Originally, the Orc 85, I think, on the Model 1 and 3. Yeah, the so versions these, that are on the archive, they ask you at the beginning, mono or stereo. Yeah, but I think it doesn't work with the Orc 90 because it's addressed differently. You oh, have okay. to... Now, one thing Dave found is that the uh, the stereo composer pack that speech systems put out is in main. And when you run this through that particular emulation emulated card it actually does come out stereo so if you don't have headphones on or if you don't have speakers fairly well separated you probably won't be able to tell but if you do you, you'll definitely be able to tell this is stereo so i'll play a little clip at the beginning here Or get a copyright strike in that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone made a stereo version close enough to that within the last 400 years. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool because I don't know too many songs that you'll know, you'll pan it that hard where it, you can actually hear like it's almost like different instruments and different ears type thing like they used to do in the, the 60s and 70s. Yeah, where that the drums good. and bass are here, and guitar and vocals are on the other side type thing. Nice separation and different note, yeah. And of course, once you get your uh, Orc 180, when you put, you know, quadraphonic where it's surround sound. Oh yeah, that, that's to make the programmer's life simple. Yeah, I'm sure. Only stereo, right but you don't have to mix two voices on each stereo. You can just do them separately, and it'll all work out in the end. So yeah, I still want to see the 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 surround sound, you know, quadraphonic version though, where I can, you know, yeah, that would be more fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, I want, I want like a you know a, a night driver thing where I can hear the car coming from ahead of me and then going to the left side and then behind me. Right, right. That'd be perfect. So, uh, Nick Marinis, please get on that when you get the uh, the final board. I mean, he yeah. already wants to make a Fairlight. Why not make it a quadraphonic Fairlight? Bingo! Exactly. I've been trying to tell him that for weeks. <laughs> and then he did, uh, of course, Fantasia Two as well, uh, the 1986 one, and you can see the prompt there, stereo mono. And uh, the stereo composer pack is pretty rare because the Orc 90 kind of took it over because it's from Radio Shack. <laughs> so if I remember correctly, they basically are both just 8-bit DACs. And they're just addressed differently. So these should be able to be patched. Nope. Uh, no? There's a small problem. The stereo composer, the DACs sit behind a 6821 that you have to initialize first, but the code is in the manual. But it's it's not just a port number patch. You have to also do the setup of the 6821 uh -huh. that the speech composer uses first. 
But now, is that just to set up the voices, or do you have to do that for every single bit of data you send to the deck? No, you just do it once. Okay. Well, so like the Orc 90, you can just ignore the ROM, but here you've got to work around this thing. Well, you just have to set up the Pia to right, connect, because right. it's the Pia that is the addresses you're writing to. And by default, it resets to all zeros, and they didn't have a ROM or anything on there that set it up for you automatically. That would have been more expensive. So in software, you turn the Pia on and connect to the DAX on the other side of it, and then you just write to two ports. So what you'd have to do with Orchestra 90 code would be to jump out to a small stereo composer setup that puts in the 10 bytes of code to patch or, the Pia on case, and then jump back. Or in my case, I'd have to play like I'm a 6821 for a second. and. Accept this code and then, or ignore it, <laughs> or ignore it's or like whatever. FF seventy something that you have to set up, and then yeah, do whatever address address translation is needed, and then I can be this. Okay, I'll look it up. Thanks. Okay, so basically, it just needs a little shim bit of code that it gets inserted at the beginning to set the the pie correctly, and then it should you know get patched for the the addresses obviously too. It should work. Because I want the new hardware to be everything it can be. You know, if I can be this thing and that thing and another thing, yeah, I'll put it all in there. And this, I just wanted to show the one screenshot from Fantasia 2. Like I said, Dave's got the Christmas one because we recorded it off main. Uh, just because it's got cats in it, kittens, and a lot of us in the panel have cats. So that seems to be, you know, plus we add the Cocoa Cat and Rainbow, so it's kind of carrying on the tradition. And Ken, I believe that cat on the bottom there has knocked uh, something off the tree, uh, which is off the picture here, but that's probably what happened to you quite a bit too, but sounds but absolutely. <laughs> Except my cat was black. Ah, nothing a paint command won't fix because we don't have to poke it all in. <laughs> anyway, if you want to hear the, the stereo renditions, uh go for it there. And that covers pretty well most of the Christmas. There's a few other ones, but there was kind of a lot of you know repeating of, of things just by different people. So I just picked a few to just kind of let you know. There's other Christmas demos out there too. I, I know I have a few here that I did not see get posted this particular year. Um, I know Simon Jonasson's retro or what Roto Santa, which plays music on the Coke Three, and then that little spinning Santa scaling around. But we've shown that on the show a couple years in a row. So I thought I'd give some time for other people who haven't featured before. So. Next up, we have the follow-up from Adrian of Adrian's Digital Basement. And this is the final part three of getting that Coco One repacked in the Model 3 case that Tim Linder discovered in a barn and, and gave to Adrian. So he actually goes through and gets it all up and running again. Um, and this is like an hour and 15 minutes. Now, the reason it's so long is not just because of everything needed to get everything running again and the fact that every single RAM chip was blown up, um, which he went through one at a time to figure that out. <laughs> But he also has a surprise interview with Tim Linder at the end of it, uh, which is, I think, worth its while just on its own. And uh, we've kind of covered Adrian going through the machine here before. We've seen the insides of it on previous episodes. I'm not going to play a little clip from all that. So you can... Definitely looks better now than when it first came out of the barn. Yeah, definitely by far. But I want to play a little bit of the Tim Linder interview because it's, it's interesting because it's getting Tim from a a bit of an angle we don't normally get on when we were interviewing him or if uh, other Coco podcasts are interviewing him. And here he is playing double back on a green screen in a moment. 
So who are you? I'm I'm Tim Lindner, and I'm a little bit of a collector and a little bit of a developer and a full-time cocoa nut. Nice. So <laughs> how long have you been in co into Cocos? Uh, I got one uh, before they released in, in the summer of 1981. Um, wow. my, my dad was an accountant and had um, a bunch of TRS-80 systems from the Radio Shack next door. Whoa. And when he said uh, to the store manager that the... Um, his son wanted a computer. Store manager knew exactly what to get uh, because they were they were filled in ahead of time of of what the uh, the product line was going to be later that uh, summer. So, so I mean, I'm not going to play the whole interview because it's uh, it's fairly lengthy, but it's it's very interesting. Um, it's definitely worth your listen to. I'd say there's a lot of cool stuff in there, and the whole you know just going through the rest of the, getting the the Coco in a Model Three case with the Model Three keyboard up up and running again. It's just interesting in and of itself. Um. And for those of us who saw a lot of the repacks in the 90s of Coco 3s, which I think it became a lot more common than it was even you know back in the Coco 1 days when this original one was done. Um, it's just kind of nice seeing you know somebody nowadays who doesn't know much about Coco history. Uh, if you watch earlier videos, being quite flabbergasted, somebody would actually stick a Coco into a Model 3 case, but not realizing that sticking a Coco into a case was fairly common back then. I mean... Uh, Paul Barton did one into a PC case that Ron Delvo inherited from him and still runs to this day. Um, Rick, I think you did some back in the day too, didn't you? No, you're muted again. Let's try this. I actually sold one for a while I called the Cube, the Coco 3C. It had a, oh, right. A I forgot of, about that. Yeah, you did. It had a couple of improvements in it. And then the buddy of mine who was going to make the sniffy metal cases lost his job. and um, That was the end of that product. Yeah, I remember Frank Swaggart actually made a portable cocoa in a wooden case that he used to haul around to the Cocoa Fest there and had a carrying handle and a car battery and stuff to power right, the whole right. thing. Yeah, and <laughs> this the, pre SDC. The seat was like a suitcase with a handle on top and it worked pretty well. And you know, if I could have actually made them, they would have it would have worked. Yeah. And it's a fascinating video. So definitely I would recommend checking out if you're a hardware or software guy. And just uh, if you've seen Tim on our show before, or you talk to him a lot on the Discord, or watch him and his sister show, which we'll be getting into there and another episode of theirs here shortly as well. That uh, it's it's a it's a really good episode to watch here and it kind of like brings everything together from the previous two episodes of just figuring out first what it was and then what was broken. Next up, um Tiris 80. Retro Programming, which is a rename of his original channel, which is uh, Coco Retro Programming, um, has put up a couple of videos over the last couple of weeks. The first one here is him writing a, a prototype Morse code generator for the Coco. And this first video, he actually just got 10 of the characters working, but it lets you go both directions. You can type in ask and it'll actually convert it to beeps and boops and put the dash dots on the screen of translating it to Morse code. And then you can also still type something in Morse code and it'll translate it back to English. Um, I won't play too much of this one just to show you the, uh, you know, kind of, he's, he's a guy that kind of learns as he goes type thing here. So he goes to the basic listing and figures out, uh, you know, how to get it basically running. And he gets a, a limited amount going in his first one. And then his second one, he actually gets it a lot further along um, and shows a sample message when he's got all 26 characters enabled. Um, and then some of the code changes he did to get that to work. So you can see him entering in uh, dot dash dash dot 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 and I don't know Morse code so I have no idea what he's typing in at this point but that's what the program's for it's going to do it for you and then um, 
<laughs> yes, yeah, literally. <laughs> e is a single dot dot dash. No, that, that's A B C D E F G. That's what he's typing in. <laughs> you, you remember what your Morse code? Barely. <laughs> it's hey, like I could use this dot. and get my novice. <laughs> and J is dot dash dash dash. And the reason I'm sharing with this sharing this with you. One second, I'll be right back. <laughs> Maybe he has a cat. I don't know. <laughs> in the other room, so so try to get to the point where it actually trying. First thing it's going to do is it's going to give you an audio interpretation, which is what Morse code is. It's audio, not visual. Um, you had a little tapper, and the other person on the other end had a uh, some sort of a. I think you had to learn Morse code for ham radio at one point too, didn't you? And uh, yeah, to get your novice, you had to do five words. <laughs> when I press enter, it's going to give me a uh, interpretation, uh, audio interpretation of. And you had this. to do four words per minute to get your and general. Then it's going to present the letter A. Oh, you had to be faster. And then it's going to give me an audio. I never did get in the ham stuff, so yeah, this whole new thing. B, C, D, do the same words thing. With general. And what will happen is if you listen, it'll give you the inter the audio interpretation first, which is how Morse code works, and then you get the letter. And then it, there's a slight pause, and it'll give you an audio interpretation Hard. of the next letter with a slight pause. And so we oh, that's your tapper thing? Yeah, here, here's so a key let's, let's and a little transmitter. You can see here it's actually doing, I'll probably turn that down a bit. Pretty loud here. But it gives you the short and the longs in audio, and then it actually prints yeah, the letter that got converted. So it's a complete so translation in both, right. both ways. So that was kind of an interesting little project to do. Um, I don't know how much Morse code is still used at all today because I, I know it's no longer required for ham radio licenses. Right. A lot of ham repeaters seem to use it for ident station identification. So they'll run Morse code to tell you, you know, this is K73FQ. <laughs> so I thought that was, a, that was a pretty cool little side project that he, he did there. And then Restless Ghost Beta. So this was a viewer requested video. And it was a person asking how to do some animations with uh, crosses and ghosts moving around. Now, I did talk to him privately. Well, not privately, but in, in some of the chats. And uh, it's it sounds like this person had seen the Tier Setting Model 1-3 game called 13 Ghosts. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one or not. But it's a bunch of like you know, animated ghosts rising from the ground through graveyards, and it's got scrolling, you know, scapes of a graveyard and towns and stuff, and you have to shoot the ghosts and that kind of thing. And the guy was wondering how would you do that on the Coco, and so he did kind of a, a brief interpretation of getting a few shapes moving around the screen with get put or draw something. But I think the person really wants to figure out how to do background where you can have something go over top of background without wrecking it. And I did send a reference to uh, extended basic. Uh, tutorial one that Steve actually did <clears throat> where he had a little rocket ship flying in front of planets and he had a, like a little portal screen uh, on the side of the ship that you could actually see through. So if you're going over a blue planet, it would turn blue. If you're going over a white planet, it would go white. And if you're back in space or with a star in it, that would show up. And it's using the logic operators and get put. So you basically have to create a bit mask put, a uh, background mask, I should say, put, as well as your foreground, then you knot the one and you order the other, et cetera. And then he used page flipping so you didn't actually watch it ripple draw this stuff as it was doing it. 
and it would actually, you know, render it on the page you can't see. And then I think it's Steve KCP copied it over. I probably would have alternated because it would have been a bit faster, but basically, you know, the right idea. And it would make it look fairly smooth. And um, we're kind of going back and forth because he doesn't quite understand how that works. Um, and uh, hopefully I, I try to give him an explanation. I think last night or this morning, I might have got too technical. I'm not sure, but we'll, I'll, I'll see if I can show him how to, to get that running because it is pretty cool to be able to do that kind of effect. And that's pretty well what this other guy was asking for, I believe. So once again, he, he, he learns as he goes and he shares that experience with you, kind of like Alan Huffman's been doing a lot of his blogs. Next up, and this was this was a kind of cool one for me. So this is a retrocomputing roundtable, and they're a bit more Apple centric, I would say. Mark, you're probably familiar with their show too. Uh, yeah, mainly because uh, Quinn in the bottom left and uh, uh, bottom right, uh, Quinn, I think. Yeah, sorry, bottom right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, actually, and then Carrington, uh, who's also an Apple guy, but uh, Paul and I believe Michael are both Atari guys, and Earl there is a Commodore guy. Yeah. So yeah, and they can't have Blake. Apple people. Yeah, they occasionally have Blake um, is it Patterson? Patterson. And he actually is familiar with the Coco somewhat because he had one of those, so he does a ton of other things. <clears throat> but uh, yeah. they actually covered uh, Nitrous 9 EOU version 1 getting released, and that's the first non-Coco-related podcast I've seen make mention of it. I actually submitted it to them on their Facebook page, and I submitted it to a bunch of other stuff too. And so far, nobody's even mentioned it, so I don't know if you have to know certain people or what, but these guys actually did cover it. And, and sounded pretty interested in giving it a shot a little bit later. And I was in the chat at the time, so I was kind of talking back and forth a little bit. <clears throat> um, there's a website called Retro Roundup, I believe it's called, and it's supposed to basically cover stuff in any retro machine. Um, I know, like, our show gets covered on that as a, being a podcast, and so does the Coco Crew. And then they also cover, uh, like, Alan's blogs and stuff. So they seem to have some RSS feed stuff you can set up to send them things automatically as as you release things either through blogs or podcasts and they had a, a place that you could try to submit something through the web interface just directly because i don't have a blog or anything about nitrous nine it just comes out when it comes out and i tried submitting to them and i didn't even get a response back never mind try to get them to actually talk about it which is kind of disappointing um but they actually covered you know nitrous nine a fair bit here i'm not going to play the whole thing but the, they went through my page and showed some screenshots etc discussed it a bit with me on the chat as well so that was that was pretty cool um i'll play just a little little bit of it here but uh you can check that out it's a good show i mean for the i know mark you've occasionally popped in the chat the same time i've been there so yeah i used to uh watch this regularly until i started doing coco talk regularly comes out in two weeks <laughs> <laughs> oh you say we're st- we're stealing you away yes you are but you know not much about this but um uh curtis wrote actually curtis is here <laughs> Maybe Curtis can, can uh, in the uh, chat tell us about this. But um, Curtis wrote to uh, alert us to the fact that Nitrous and and Quinn, she's actually a game developer for the Apple too, isn't she? Um, I don't know if she's anything for the Apple. She actually does like portable, like uh, Android type things. So yeah, but she's, she's working on she's, an Apple two machine language game project. She's been oh, she may be. Yeah, so yeah, she's actually Canadian, but she lives in Los. Yeah, Angeles. she's back in Canada. Oh, she, she moved back to BC. Oh, okay, cool. Not too far from you, Ken. Ken, you might have to go interview her at some point. Take your 2GS with you. <laughs> no, take the Coco and show her Nigel's 9. Yep, definitely the Coco. <clears throat> Actually, I'll really impress her and take the MC10. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have Nitrous 9 ported to that now? <laughs> oh, no, just, just the MC10. <laughs> There's the challenge, Curtis. You heard it. 
Right. Nope, nope. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> 6803 is, you know, better than a 6502, but it's not a 6809 or 6809. MCX 128, Ice Tris 9 ish. Yeah. <laughs> ish. Emphasis on ish. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was really good to actually have the Cocoa cover. They have occasion to cover like Cocoa eBay items and, um, Blake's mentioned it a few times in the past too with certain demos or hardware that's got released because he's had some experience with it back in the day. But uh, it was it was cool that I get mentioned on a podcast not Coca related. The one odd thing, their, what's that? I was just say I was just say they always have their uh, wish lists of what they'd like, you know. And so they do their eBay uh, polls and so and they all yeah. collect multiple things, even though they started originally with one system or another. Yeah. The one disappointing thing to me was the retro roundup though. Like if, if anybody knows how to get them to. Uh, respond or even knows who was there the other one was disappointing to me um trash talk which had an episode about a week or two weeks after i'd emailed them and i've been on their show before nick has been as well and we've demonstrated stuff like nitrous nine and, and some of nick's older games and stuff on there before so i emailed them and said i know you guys have an episode coming near the end of december i'd love to be on to talk about the new release i didn't get a response from them either i was going to ask ask the ask peter about that when we did the glenside show yesterday but unfortunately he had to leave early and i didn't get a chance to ask him but uh Peter, if you're listening to this or any of the other people on the trash talk, I'd, I'd still like to come on and, and talk about it. So so I know you guys have a, a more wider range audience. You got some people that are, you know, both Coco and Model 1, 2, 3, 4, 16, 12, 6,000, et cetera, aficionados. So, so much thanks to them for, for mentioning it. Next up after that. Uh, Pierre Sarazen has now put up a download for B-Sound 0.1.3, which is an update to the sound library for the CMOX C-like compiler, uh, and now allows playing 6-bit samples at a, a given frequency. So you can see that on the upper left of the screen here. And as it says here, a library that offers similar to basics play and sound commands, but it can also now play an array of 6-bit samples. So you can actually do some digitized sound effects, etc., and uh, shift, pitch shift them as well. And includes a little demo program you can do to try it out. Uh, generates and plays a square wave of varying tones and volumes. So if you're doing any development work, I know some quite a, quite a few game stuff in CMOC, but you want some more, more advanced sound on the standard, you know, rom call type stuff. He's got that library up for you. He's actually done a lot of library updates. We've covered a few others here recently too. So um, it looks like he's greatly expanding it, probably more for the game writer. So you can actually do some stuff without having to write all the machine language code to get some of this other stuff running. You can actually just, you know, link in all these libraries and start grabbing the stuff in there yeah one of those updates is that sneaky little a star library down there at the bottom which is how you can get your bad guys to find their way across a screen that has obstacles on it without having to hard code the paths so oh, you cool. can make it adapt to the the player's locations the description is graph traversal and path search algorithm does not tell you how awesome that is Okay. Yeah, I think I remember we did briefly cover that probably when he released it back in July, but I probably didn't fully understand what it was either. Yeah, yeah. I used that in Coco Bond for the Beholder for the first time to go around obstacles to chase you. And it's uh, not easy to program that in machine language. So it's nice that no. it's here. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you end up using this one or did you get your own working? I got my own working. Um, and then I modified it a little bit because the he was a little bit too smart. So I dumbed him <laughs> down a little bit. So, well, cool because I know that we've we've seen numerous Cocoa games being done with CMOC, um, both for OS nine and for RSDOS. So, 
And um, that will that that routine will be a helpful one along with the sound and the you know, so he's got the core input, video, and audio, but now he's branching out uh into some of the 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 background logic that you would need as well. That's cool. He's 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 keeping his project up to date, and he keeps adding to it and stuff. So that's that's perfect. That's exactly what I want to see. Um, you know, for development type stuff, you want to keep getting better tools and and you know better editors and whatever else, better languages. So the fact that the you know several projects, including this one, are constantly giving updates, it's not just some static thing written fifteen years ago, is awesome. Uh, next up, we've got the last three parts. Um, which I laughed at because he originally had said this was going to be a six-part series. So this is parts five through seven of the six-part series um, of, of the Logiker challenge, which is to create this little star thing in as small of a program as possible. <clears throat> and I won't go through the various things because we've kind of gone through the previous four parts where he figures out different algorithms to try to crunch the code down. I'll just skip to the, the final one here. I will mention that he's been cheating, I would call it a little bit, because he's been using that uh, open chat API thing that's online, everybody's raving about these days. They actually come up with some of the algorithms and stuff here too. So um, I guess not cheating. He wanted to experiment with the AI thing too, but uh, uh, this basically was an update to Jason's final version, making two bytes smaller because he had some submissions from readers of his blog too that I submitted some. Here they did on a Cocoa 3 screen at 40 columns. The main reason for that is the original version is set up to be on a computer that's more lines on a display than a Cocoa 1 or 2 does. So People have kind of cheated and either cut the, the star short to get it to fit, or it scrolls partly off and you can't see it all. Um, as you can see here, like the top row is gone. Uh, Rick Adams submitted one actually written for the PDP-8, which is kind of cool and, and really retro. Uh, Jim Gary did one for the MC-10 and he did it in color. And then uh, Jason managed to keep crunching it down <clears throat> and eventually got it down to 81 bytes in basic. And that's the entire program right there that generates the whole thing so they definitely got it crunched down pretty good then along that line in the 689 639 6800 assembly language programming group on facebook this is not a coca specific group this is just anybody who's a fan of the 8-bit motorola chips uh he did one on the coco uh in machine language uh he did crunch the star down in size though he said the algorithm would work with the larger one because he wanted to fit the entire shape on the screen at once without cutting it short um, and he has some comments and goes through here too on, on different things, you know, commenting with other people, but he basically did an assembly language instead. So that's uh, an alternative way to the basic versions that most of the other people did. And if, I think if I remember correctly, that particular contest, you could write in whatever language you wanted to. So good to see we have multiple Cocoa submissions from multiple people and MC10 and then multiple languages uh, all entering this contest. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> My tab crashed. Okay. So this is a video of uh, done by OG Hugo uh, showing his Cocoa joystick adapter working on his Tandy 1000 HX. So he's actually running the Cocoa joystick playing King's Quest 1 on the Tandy 1000. All right, so I'm testing out the uh, Cocoa joystick adapter on the tandy 1000 hx and uh it seems to be working 
fine. You just have to set up. Now, Rick, since you sell an adapter thing yourself where you're adapting the joysticks, what is the main difference between the two that they just wouldn't work out of the box, for those that don't know? The the PC Junior used a very Coco-like joystick. By the Tandy 1000HX, it was a USB nothing. Oh, was it USB that? I think by then, I think if if you looked at the interface, I think it's USB by then. The PC Junior or the Tandy 1000, the early ones, were sort of a a Coco-style joystick. But I think by then they had moved on. I could be wrong. Okay. I just know it's a little bit different. They don't actually just plug into each other even with the same, like they don't just work the same. Right, right, right. Because the, uh, on the on the PCs, man, I'll hurt. On the PCs, uh, the joystick is just 5 volts variable resistance. And on the Coco, it's 5 volts, 0 volts. So you don't have to keep recentering the dang joysticks every time the weather changes. <laughs> so it's interesting he's got that little project you can take a look at there um on his page of course you can get that from the show notes as well okay um now before you start discussing this one there's one that i don't have a, a, a picture or anything to show you but there was some sad news in the Coco community over the last few weeks um it was announced in the Coco list and a few other places that bob swoger gator as his nickname was and uh creator of logical and he you, if you've been to a Coco fest you've seen him because he's been there for decades uh, Rick and I, we've jammed with him back in the 90s. He used to bring out, um, was it an acoustic guitar or trumpet or something? I can't remember what he played. I think he was the guitar guy, yeah. Yeah, because it's a few musicians. But he would sometimes come and join in. And of course, Logical, he originally wrote for, how uh, was it, the ZX81 or something? Yep. <laughs> and uh, and uh, part of the Coco, so. Time X 2064 or something. Yeah. Yeah, but at any rate, uh, it was announced on the list that he was not doing well health-wise, and he has he's kind of declined the last little while, but uh, he, he went quick. He passed away, unfortunately, on December the 18th. Um, and his wife, Annette, kind of posted about us. Uh, I'll, I'll just read verbatim what she said. I just wanted to let you know that Bob went home to be with his Lord this afternoon around 3 p.m. It's December 18th. He was in the hospital, and his body just started shutting down. Bob's daughter, granddaughter, and son-in-law were with me as he passed. It was the way he wanted to go. We played all his favorite songs, told Bob stories, and prayed together. Bob's granddaughter told Grandpa that her best memory was playing Hunt the Wumpus with him. That's awesome. Um, he will be cremated, and a celebration of his life will be held in about a month. There we can all tell Bob's stories. He passed away very peacefully, knowing he'd be in the arms of the angels tonight. As I work out details, I'll keep you posted. So for those of you that are in the Chicago area and are active members of Glenside, I'm assuming you'll probably know all this stuff as to when the service stuff is. but. Uh, uh, Bob will be missed. He was, he was, uh, it, well, it was really hard not to, it was really hard to miss him at a show because he's honking tall. He's like six foot six or <laughs> six foot eight or something like that. So he just towers in the room. Uh, he's got a pretty deep voice. So he was, he was somebody you could definitely hear. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to miss him. He was, uh, he was one of the forces at Glenside. I mean, he was active for decades, like I said before, in, in Glenside. So, mm-hmm. um, so, Glad he went peacefully. That's all I can say. Okay, back to uh, not so somber things. Uh, Paul Ripke here, he posted a 64K test program he wrote on his own to test the RAM on his Coco One. And he posted this up in the uh, Coco Facebook group. So you can actually just go download it from the, the files section there. And he was just curious about you know, how good it was this RAM, the 64K Coco One he got. 
And I know there's other ones that have been out for a while, and you can download some of the archive, but it's not too often you get somebody that just comes in and writes their own to test it out. So I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, you can comment on uh, what you think if you give it a shot and try it yourself. So that was that was cool. Next up, we have a couple from Craig. And I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce his name right. Uh, if anybody you know how to pronounce it properly, in case I butcher it. Ionello? Ionello? Something like that. And uh, the first one here is he does a screenshot. So for those of you watching the video, you can see it's kind of a Mandelbrot set, uh, Coco 3 graphics, half rendered, basically, at this point. Um, and this is, is a bit different than the other ones we've done because I've done a few of these and, and uh, James Diffendab has done a few of these. Taylor and Amy did one on the Coco 1 2 in one of their shows. Um, they're quite slow because it's pretty programmatic, programmatically um, difficult. He was testing the Motorola 6831 ROM routines, which is basically a math library on ROM. Now, that has some extensions beyond Microsoft. You can get much like double precision, et cetera. So it's, it's more extensive. If you're doing stuff that requires floating point, it's definitely a more accurate library, but it's also a lot slower. Um, now, he did say he did got it to work in 609 native mode, which cuts you know 10 to 15% off the speed here, but it's still pretty slow. Um, and he was a bit disappointed how slow it is compared to Microsoft Basic, but Microsoft Basic is a fixed format. Um, it's not as accurate. So I think you know there should be a little bit of leeway given to the Motorola one because I think the Motorola one was not designed for speed per se. It was designed to do fairly intense math accurately. Right. Math library on ROM implies log tables and things. Yeah. Aren't going to be fast, but are going to be really good. Now, one thing that intrigued me on this post, and he did this one back in December the 19th, is that, you know, I'll read the one paragraph here. It says, it doesn't seem to work in 609 native mode, though. I haven't tried enabling any traps. I expect that might not work because of the way the, the ROM traps, um, SWIs, et cetera. And of course, native mode adds an extra register in the middle of the stack. And he says, pick related, using a V9858 for video instead of a gimme. And I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> and his follow-up post a little bit later kind of explained it. And that was on December 27th. And uh, for those on the video, you can see the screenshot with a really colorful, you know, terrain from a game type thing. And uh, I'll just read what he did in the post here to kind of explain the project he's, he's doing. This is only partly Coco related. So apologies if it's too off topic. I don't think it is. Um, I've been building a homebrew computer with a 639 CPU running at the full 3.58 megahertz. So that's faster than the Gimme X, just for reference. It does run extended basic. So it's kind of a Coco, but the similarities end there. The computer is at the left in the picture, and you can kind of see it down near the bottom there. Um, with a CPU serial card, video card, which is the Yamaha V9958, which explains that chip that we were you know, looking for. It's a video chip. And a parallel card hooked up to an Arduino, which handles the SD card and sound. This means that the sound card has way more computing horsepower than the actual main CPU, but since the 609 still runs the show, I guess that's okay. The graphics shown were not created by me. I ripped them from one of my favorite Super NES games, Squaresoft's uh, pronounce it Staken Densetsu 3, just so I could see some nice graphics coming from my project. It's just a static image with no scrolling or sprite since I hadn't learned how to do that stuff yet, or even whether it's feasible to smoothly scroll such an image on this hardware. But it's actually got more colors than the Gimme has, for example, so the graphics actually look really good. But it's really cool. He's actually building his own 639-based machine that includes Extended Basic and is actually running at basically the highest rated speed, the 639 was sold for by Hitachi at the full three and a half megahertz. So it's, 
I think they gave me extra into 2.86. So this is another 0.7.8 megahertz faster right. than they give me X's. So that's cool. Go ahead, Rick. I was just saying the it's interesting because the Coco's always been tied to the video signal and you know the SAM and some multiple of the video signal. But he's doing his own thing here. So yeah, where it's completely did. separate and not tied to the CP speed. So he could do something. Yeah, he's not using the gimme. He's not using the SAM. So he could maybe unlock the CPU from the video and not have to be lockstep at some artificially slow speed just to make yeah. the video sync for the dual RAM DDG. And, and this is where I'd like to see, like on the Glenside call, we, I mean, Jim Brain was hosting it, obviously, and he's got his own dual 639 with RAM that's shared between them. That you can plug in as a card, and they're both running right. at three megahertz, and I think they have five twelve k of shared RAM between. Plus, it's shared with the Coco itself, so you could have a Gimme X technically running at two point eight six megahertz with the Gimme, and then you could send like sound or computational stuff or even graphic masking stuff to these two other CPUs running at full three. Oh, three yeah. Here we go. Yeah, two Sams. One Sam shares between two CPUs. The other Sam shares between the second CPU and the video chip. There. Yeah, we've so got cool. a modern PC. We can throw textures on fractalists. <laughs> <laughs> the nice thing about those, and I think one of the reasons that Jim had tried to make the prototype board for it and hasn't really gone because you need drivers, obviously, is that a programmer who knows 6.9, 6.9 does not have to learn some brand new chip like an Arduino or a M1 or an Intel or whatever else. It's the same <clears throat> CPU you're used to, just faster, but it's several of them with their own RAM that you can pass stuff to and have them you, you upload a program to them and say, okay, you're handling graphic masking and you're handling background sound generation. And then you, it just sends back to the main Coco and just says, I've got stuff ready for you. Here you go. So you can actually have a true multi-processing, you know, with CPUs running faster than the Coco itself, even with the Gimme X is running, I think you could do some pretty incredible stuff and you don't have to learn a new CPU. You don't have to learn a new machine language. You can even write some C compiler code that you could upload to those if you don't, you don't want to write an assembly. And with the extra speed of running at three and a half megahertz or three megahertz, I think that would be pretty darn cool. Right. So, um, Rick, you and I have to talk to, to Jim at the show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pull him into one of them side rooms. And yeah. I'll even stop playing guitar it. long enough to talk about that. So. <laughs> And this one is cool. And Joe Grubbs, um, who's been in the uh, Coca community on Facebook for quite a while and had that horrific bike accident where he got hit by a car a few years back. And, you know, it's been a long recovery, but he's, I think he's pretty well okay. He's still got some memory problems and stuff because he was hurt pretty bad. But he said, my brother 3D printed a play placard for me. And it almost looks like wood grade. It's not, it's plastic, but it's, it's, it's the Tandy with the three bars for a Coco 3 style logo. In color, a 3D printing, a full-size one, too. It's not just a small one. It looks awesome. Um, for any of you audio listeners, you're going to have, we'll have to check the video version to see this here. I'll zoom it up a bit here. But uh, that's that's a pretty cool uh, Christmas gift to get, I think. I, I'd like one of those. I'd put it on my table at Coco Fest. <laughs> Next step, and this is another Nitrous 90 EOU thing that I did not do. Um, so we've gotten, I, I've talked to Bill, actually, I should give you guys an update on Bill. I actually just heard from him a couple of days ago. Uh, I know Michael Furman is still working on doing the, uh, XROR version of EOU because it has to run with ID drivers. So he's going to make a special version that has that all set up. Uh, 
Barry Nelson did one. If you want to boot MAME or VCC without requiring a floppy image at all, you can do that. Now, there is reasons we don't do that with a standard one. But for those who want an all-in-one solution, you can use his version, which is already up on the site. Um, Bill's working on the Matchbox and Mr. versions of it, and we'll be finally getting back to them. He's actually, he's been working at Canadian Tire since the uh, phone place he was at, uh, since he got laid off from there. And he's been shooting up the ranks, and he's now one of the main managers there. Just got the promotion. And uh, he's been super busy, like, getting management training and, and learning the store stuff and all that kind of stuff. But he said he's, he's basically done that stuff now. He's going to have some time to start doing Cocoa stuff again for the first time in months. Um, so he will be working on the Matchbox. In fact, I think he was saying Ricky's going to be reaching out, if he hasn't already, to get one of these um, Ethernet cards. Yeah, Because he wants to start working on that, too. We're going so, that way as well. So life is good. So at any rate... Um, You'll be getting all those versions coming up in the next month or two. Hopefully, uh, Michael and him can get those both done sometime during January and get them all up. And, and then I'll start working on the 1.01 release to, to pick, fix some bugs, put some stuff we didn't quite have ready. But some other people have been kind of like hitting me up for uh, stuff here, too. And this was kind of a cool because the person did the work themselves. So, of course, I put it up because I didn't have to do anything. Um, but basically here, it's an illustrated quick guide to getting it set up to run in Maine. Uh, from scratch, like just installing MAME and not knowing where ROMs go and everything else here too. So he does a step-by-step -step here, including illustrations. And this was created by a guy named Dan Eicher, E-I-C-H-E-R. And I guess he's doing a, a, a slight bit of an update to it now that he's going to send me that I'll be putting on the up website so you might want to re-download it if you've got this current version. But for those of you who want to get it running in MAME, which you know has a really good debugger, et cetera, for it, but you know, setting up MAME is a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, this goes right from where you get the current version of MAME, where do you get the ROMs from? Where do you put them? Um, where to get you know NitroSign install it? How to set up these gimmick configurations and how to set up you know MAME itself for RGB, et cetera, and everything else here. So it, it makes it like a nice step by step by step to get it up and running in MAME, which is probably the most difficult emulator to get it running on. Um, also one of the best ones for debugging. So that's the quandary. But uh, thank thanks to Dan for creating this and getting a hold of me, and then it's already up on my site now, the documentation page. Um, there is an update to it coming within the next few days here once he sends me the update. But for those of you who have been maybe running in VCC and aren't too happy with some of the key mappings or something like that, um, if you want to get it running in MAME where you have a bit more control over that kind of thing, then uh, this is a really good quick you know how-to guide to get it set up. Thanks, Dan. Uh, the new Cocoa Crew came out uh, just a couple days ago, I believe. Uh, definitely Christmas theme. They have some of their, you know, world-renowned, you know, fake Christmas um, advertisements and stuff there uh, scattered throughout the show. And they do a review of uh, some guy named Nick Moranti's, uh, some game called uh, Jumping Joey at the uh, end there, too. It's so. a good game, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Nick, have you listened to Neil's review already? Or? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was good. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you had time with all the Christmas stuff going around your place, so. I mean, go grab that. It's episode 91. Uh, just a refresher. They hit the same thing in the Retro Computing Roundtable and a bunch of other podcasts did in that cyber year shut down. And so the, everybody's been changing over to different things. So you won't find cyber years anymore, but uh, you can get it there. And I think also John had made an announcement that they're actually putting the old episodes now on archive.org so that uh, you, you, they'll be perpetually you know saved. And that's something we have to discuss with uh, Coco Talk and Coco Nation too, is getting it uh, archived. I don't know, do they handle videos our size, like six hours a show or something? I'm not sure. <laughs> but we, we definitely don't want to lose this, especially like interviews and things like that. So um, at least do the podcasts. But yeah, hopefully they have the video too. So 
I mean, to be honest, we're kind of a more video-oriented show. We're showing screenshots. We're showing videos and stuff here. So hopefully, um, if anybody here has had any contact with archive.org, I know they have other TV shows and they're like Computer Chronicles and stuff, I believe. So I'm pretty sure they handle video, don't they? Jason Scott, who's one of their main guys, is now. Yes, guy, they so handle video. Best. Okay. And Jason's the guy who did the BBS documentary video too, isn't he? Yes, he is. And Get Lamp also. Cool. Well, since you guys kind of know more about him than I do, then maybe check with him if that's okay. And then I will try to get the permissions to, to put anything up there for posterity. I don't know if five plus years of uh, episodes is uh, considered worthy or not. Oh, well. <laughs> I can make the shows longer. I mean, that's not a problem. Because <laughs> wasn't it you, Mark, that figured out how long you'd have to watch continuously if you just found Coco Talk slash Coco Nation and you wanted to watch the whole thing start to finish? Uh, I know I took Brian Joyce's uh, numbers from the first 200 episodes. One night, it was like 639 hours. So. <laughs> and of course, We're probably up to about now. a thousand now. Oh, I'm yeah, sure we're getting there. Another, got yeah. almost got another hundred episodes on top of that. So who yeah. needs Netflix? We'll fill up your queue for the next three years. Exactly. If you need to make the show longer, Curtis, you could always do your famous fan dance. My what? Your famous fan dance. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh huh. Thankfully, uh, well, <laughs> the amigos were talking about your. Uh, you know, lead dance routine for the Coco Nation. So, <laughs> yeah, Mikey in the chat saying we can always ping Jason Scott if there are any questions too. So, yeah, I definitely I, want to do I've, that. I've messaged him before. So, I actually met him in person down at uh, BCF West. Uh, cool. I know he had contacted me like years and years when he was making the BBS documentary because I ran and programmed a Coco BBS and he had some questions and I, I got mentioned at some, you know, appendix or something like that because it wasn't a big major one. but uh yeah he seemed to be a really nice guy to work with so yeah if you guys are kind of contacting them recently definitely reach out to him i'd love to make sure we can get that going and, and start working on it because it's gonna take a while to upload all that stuff next up and i think this was just released this morning or late last night i can't remember but uh rocky hill on youtube otherwise known as bedro who was in the chat earlier i'm not sure if he still is uh, he posted a video of getting DriveWire 4 server software compiled and running with Java 17, which I think is the current version. Now, I know a complaint has been that DriveWire 4 has not been able to compile under current versions of Java for quite a while, like, like years. Um, right. And that's why people were using Mikey's Pi DriveWire, uh, just because it's a heck of a lot easier to set up. Um, oh, he's, he is in the chat right now. He said, yes, still here, but about to get off. Well, sorry. <laughs> But uh, he did a nice long video showing of what he had to change to get it up and running. Now, he said that it looks like a few things are still a bit different. And I know there's different versions of DriveWire 4 floating around that Aaron had done, Aaron Wolf, the original author, back in the day. So I'm not sure what exactly the difference is. I didn't get a chance to fully watch the video this morning. Um, for any of you that are familiar with this kind of stuff, uh, do you know what 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 issues he was hitting there where it looked like it might be different versions of DriveWire 4? No, they've thrown so much security in that everything's broken. And can you get Java working or can you get anything working today? He did. That's good. Yeah. I know he mentioned on the listserv as well, and there were some people saying that it should be fairly easy to compile. Other people were saying, yeah, I could look looking at the code. It's really old. And a lot of stuff in Java has changed since the original version was written. So yeah, it's I like know it Mikey's supposed to go get I was just going to say, you lean on compatibility until 
one day you can't anymore. And then things are so messed up that somebody has to really come and just dig it out. (laughs) And so Rocky did. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's one of the things I'm trying to do with EOU because I know a fair bit of stuff was broke from some of the changes that Nigel Stein went through the last 10, 15 years. Um, and I've been having to patch a lot of programs to get working. So the things that I've been adding and changing, I'm trying to make them backwards compatible. I mean, I'm sure I'll hit a situation where I can't. And, you know, it's just worth it to break something to get something brand new and, you know, really awesome in there. But so far, I've been able to do pretty well everything I've been adding on the last five years without busting stuff. So I'm hoping to keep that trend going. But that's hard. I mean, you sometimes look at the stuff and you go, oh, man, it would be so much smarter if we did this call a completely different way with different parameters. But then you broke all the old software. And we don't have source for a lot of this old stuff. So it's disassembled, decompiled to try to fix it. And I've blown so much time doing that that uh, I would prefer to make it backwards compatible. I kind of understand Microsoft now. Yeah, just remember, Windows is trying to hide backslashes as front slashes now. (laughs) (laughs) I I think for me personally, if you're not expanding the, the memory requirements too much doing so, it would be better to add a call that basically duplicates the functionality. But if there's a lot of extra stuff you can do because you set it up differently, maybe do that and then have it remapped inside the code to, to to work with the older calls type thing, or just create a new one that newer programs can use, but you don't break the old ones. I think that would be preferable because there's so much stuff that doesn't run properly now that uh, it's, it's disappointing and I don't have time. I'm trying, but I don't have time to go through all the stuff that's broken, try to you know dissemble the whole thing, figure out what needs to get fixed. Um, I've done a few of them already, but uh, there's, there's more, lots more. Deskmate is one that Ron keeps bugging me about. <laughs> it used to work sort of as an ugly, ugly hack, but uh, yeah, really worked. Yeah, Cave Walker's another. Um, yeah, there's, there's more phones. Um, Rocky was responding because he said he has to leave fairly quickly here. His wife's calling him. He said, I think the source files don't match the available compiled version. Um, Mikey, of course, is working on PyDrive Wire done Python, says Java's evil. <laughs> <laughs> the Oracle overlords really want everyone to pay for it. I can't disagree. <laughs> and then Rob Inman chimes in, this is one of the problems with you know creating a new version of it in, in a different language. Um, I wish the undocumented features could be provided to Mikey to add to PyDrive Wire, but maybe that is what is lost. And the fact that you know Pedro said that he compiled it, but the available compiled version isn't the same which means it, apparently, unless he's missed it somewhere, the source for the one that most people were using doesn't match the executable. And this is a problem we've had in other projects too. And uh, Barry Nelson mentioned this uh, yesterday on the Glenside meeting. He wants to get the source code for the original adventure, the Colossal Adventure port to OS9, because I'd gotten a public domain disk from the public domain software company at Rainbow Fest back in 1989 or whatever it was, that had the compiled version of the adventure game and six data files. And I had C source code. And I've never bothered recompiling because it's already compiled, right? Why would I bother? Well, Barry tried it out and it's not the same source. It doesn't <laughs> even use the same format data files. It's completely different. So now he can't fix a couple of minor bugs he found in there because the source is completely different. The data files are completely different structure. So now he was making a public request for people that they can find maybe an alternative version of the source or the alternative version of the data files, et cetera. So yeah, that's the type of stuff we're hitting. It's just a mess. And I, I much prefer backwards compatibility. <laughs> Add new stuff and maybe alternative ways of doing things that are more efficient, but um, don't bust everything. 
Uh, Grant kind of mentioned this already, but for those who have not seen it, tandylist.com, uh, where you can book your Coco Fest 2023 tickets and your dinner tickets and your vendor tables. Uh, this actually shows a list of the vendor tables as it was when I loaded this page up. And the X ones are ones that are ready reserved. So they're going fast, folks. And you can see some of the people that are going to be down there. Uh, some of these are tentative bookings just to hold something until, you know, arrangements are fully made. But um, I, Rick, are you on here yet? I didn't even look. I am, but I'm not. So I'm not oh, sure what's going on. Maybe I got to do a force refresh just a sec here. Uh, I should have been like, oh, man. <laughs> I was at one time 48 and 49. I think, or maybe I was at, I was, I was in here. I had two tables. I paid for two tables. I was charged for two tables. And yet I again have no tables. Grant, are you still on the call? Cause uh, you better check into that. I know they were having some issues with the coding behind this and they, they kind of just got it back up again to fix it. So well, maybe there's still a couple of glitches. At one time you were at one of my tables and so was Taylor and Amy. So that's fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, Grant, if you're listening, um, looks I like I want to be somewhere in that end of the building with, with these guys. So let's try to do that. Yeah. Because I did drop hundreds of. Dollars. I mean, they have records of who's who's you know paid for tables and stuff like that. So I'm sure they can. Fix yeah, yeah, it's a glitch in the mapping, but just, it happened last year too. That was weird. <laughs> I'm just not non-person. Darn computers! We need to rewrite this whole thing here in Nitrous Nine. I think that's just run it on a damn cocoa again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then you can log into it with Web Wrangler, copyright 2023 by Rick <laughs> That would bias everything, though. No, it wouldn't. No. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Nothing like Nick, you know, pumping his games all the time. Um, uh, uh, next up, uh, Jim Gary, we kind of mentioned before that he did his own version of that Christmas star thing um this is actually the source code for it and running on the mc10 but he did his in color and you can see it draw it quickly there and then he decided to be fancy and make it flash different colors so a different interpretation of that logicer challenge and another one that uh, jim gary did and um, these are kind of separate because these are not games which is why I'm, I'm doing them in this part of the show in the news uh this is originally uh by paul w myers written originally in 1984 and let's forward a little here. Now, if Paul had completed this program in, um, I can't remember how to read this because Nick was telling me how Australians write. This is from an Australian magazine called Michael, um, which was a magazine devoted to just the MC10. And uh, we had seen six issues of it, above, I think, already, other than the computer archive, the Facebook group that people had scanned in. But uh, a person came in and actually has. 10 issues. So there was more issues made and eventually it merged with some of the Coco magazines. And I'll get to that a little bit later. I'll show you some pictures of them. But this is a program from that magazine itself. And this uh, program was actually written in 1983 in uh, August the 10th in the February 1984 issues when it got published. Um, and it's keyboard fun. So it's kind of a keyboard tutorial type thingy. Uh, sort of game-like. You have to basically punch the key in a time thing and make sure you hit the right key. And then it frowns or it smiles, depending on whether you did well or not. So it's more meant for the younger kids, but it's a pretty cool little thing to put in the MC10. 
the next one here, Robert Sieg, he did a star program, not part of the Logiker thing, but he, he drew star and semi-graphics six, I believe, the 64 by 48 color mode. And he uploaded the source. So you can do it. Take a look at it and uh, run it there, too. And then you, if you're too lazy to type in a few lines of basic code, you can just go download the actual uh, cassette file from the Facebook MC10 group and, and run the program yourself. So Robert was very busy this uh, past couple of weeks, too. This is an interesting one. Now we're getting to the Dragon stuff here. So Chris Poacher runs the micro deal of the 8-Bit Years private Facebook group. You can join free, but uh, he's keeping the riffraff out. I don't know why he let me in. But he found this magazine article kind of going through a bit of a theme across a multiple of machines, including the Dragon 32, but also including you know the Acorn, the BBC Micro, and a bunch of others. And this is Retro Gamer Magazine. And this section was called Cheeky Clone Games. So for those of you use that know slang in the UK, uh, you'll know what Cheeky Clone means. And basically, the Dragon 32 is represented by Cuthbert in the Jungle, which we knew as Trap Ball here in North America, and Pitfall by Activision, if you want to play the original, which is a complete clone of. Um, and I'll just read the blurb that they have underneath the, uh, the Cuthbert in the Jungle, which I have some screenshots up here, too. Cuthbert in the Jungle, Dragon 32, clone of Pitfall. There was a reason 80 called its copyright caterpillar cake Cuthbert. The name has long been associated with copyright infringement. Whether he's ripping off Amadar when he goes walkabout, jetpack during his time in space, or this shameless clone of David Crane's pitfall, Cuthbert's smiling, bespectacled face suggests he doesn't give a monkeys. And of course, uh, Cuthbert was the uh, kind of mascot for Dragon stuff here. And, and they plastered that name on stuff where he looked like Mario and he'd look like some space flying dude in a different game. Like, they didn't keep the graphic the same. His Most time is... he has some sort of a mascot. He's at least trying to make him appear the same in each of the games. Not in this case. They just slapped the Cuthbert name on whatever the heck it was they were doing. So. <laughs> he means micro deal. Yeah. Yeah, basically, it was that. But they cover, like, the, the ZX81. They cover uh, Amstrad and a bunch of other ones, too, where they're doing the same thing. Like, you know, somebody who blatantly ripped off a game as close to a clone as possible without getting any you know, you know, legal licensing or anything. So that was kind of cool. And we, we had the same thing. You know, Donkey King had to change his name to the king because the name was too close, and never mind the game itself. And there was another one. Guardian got in trouble because they said it's, it's a Defender clone so good, it's good enough to be approved by Williams. And they actually put that in the Rainbow ad, and they got a nasty you know, season assist on that, saying you can't say that. Next up, uh, Vern's Misadventures on YouTube. That's the name of his YouTube page. And he's he does a lot of stuff. Like He does retro computers as part of it. But if you watch his little intro there, which I'll play in a second, he covers a lot of other stuff on this channel. He's not just into retro computing. But he actually picked up an MC10. And he wanted to get a Coco VGA to put in. He couldn't get one because, of course, it's you know, unobtainium at the moment due to chip shortages and all kinds of other things. Um, but he did make an RCA to coax adapter. Um, so he, he tried ordering one and it was going to take a while to get there. So he got impatient, decided, screw it, I'll make my own. And this video is basically his description of how he got that up and running. And actually it runs pretty good. Um, he has two camera angles. Now he's definitely got the white balance, very, very different. Cause if you look on the main screen, you can see on here, like three quarters of the screen showing his hands, holding the MC 10 up. The MC 10 looks a bit yellowed, et cetera. But if you look in the lower left corner from his overhead cam, it's pristine white. Like it never got yellowed at all. And uh, the colors of everything he shows in there, like you'll even see the screenshots and stuff that he shows when he hooks it up to a TV. 
look very different between the two. Um, but I'll play this little intro so you can kind of get a feel for his channel. For some of you that have other hobbies besides retro computing, you might be interested in his, other, his channel for other things too. And then I'll just fast forward a little bit to show the, the results. Well, good morning, y'all. It's Christmas Day 2022. Whoop, whoop. Our Christmas festivities won't be starting till this evening. My wife is working. So we make adjustments and we make the best of it, right? So let me show you some things I'm working on here. And now I'll kind of show what stuff he's interested in. Okay, so what got so for those of you that are on the audio listening and having no idea what he just displayed on the screen, he covers retro hardware. He covers um, software and, and operating systems. He covers auto repair for fixing cars. And uh, also do-it-yourself projects. And he you know, was doing outside cutting wood or something like that. So a lot of variety there. Um, basically needs a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically reminds me of Rick. I mean, because uh, you, you did a lot of that stuff too. Right. So you, you two should get together, I think, is what I'm trying to imply here. Or we'll get them down to a fest. You guys can meet, collaborate. So anyway, he goes through, basically he picked up an MC-10, and he kind of goes through getting it uh, hooked up to an RCA adapter to hook it up to an old TV that's uh, basically just got the coax connector. It doesn't have an RCA jack of any sort. And, I mean, you're seeing a bunch of herring bone patterns. That's the camera recording causing it. Um, but he was quite impressed with how good it looked. And then if you take a look on the overhead cam here, which has the white balance, it actually looks quite clear. And I'll just play a little bit so you can see the screen actually running. Here inside the loop, we just want to do print. And he does a little quick screen. demonstration program just to you know, show basic running on it. Of X. But if you look at the overhead cam, it actually looks like it came out pretty good. It's pretty clean. And I know shooting CRTs with modern camera stuff always comes out like crap. Um, well, and the other thing is, if you just use an RCA to um, coax adapter, you're going to get a little bit of a herringbone in a color picture because you need that 300 to 75 ohm ball and balancing action going on. It won't it won't matter in a black and white so much, but on color you're going to get some lines if you just do adapter changes and you don't match the impedance. Yeah, I think that's why he ordered the other one, which is actually a composite adapter kit. So that's, uh, you will probably see a follow-up video where he does it. And get good color. A couple comments in the chat here. Uh, Fred Provence says, only four hobbies, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the <laughs> uh, Sixy, Kieran in the, in the chat, the author of X-War, just wished us all a happy new year because that just hit where he is in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. I've still got six hours to go here. And if I keep going on the news, I might be done by then. Who knows? Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, it's old hat to you. All right. How's, how's 2023 shaping up so far, Nick? Year, last year. I'm waiting for next Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll follow up on that later. And speaking of Australia, Aaron Clement. Uh, now, I was talking before about the Michael magazine, which was a uh, you know MC10 devoted magazine. That's all they published for which now we've discovered has at least 10 issues, not just six. And then it merged with, uh, do you remember which one, Nick? I don't think I wrote it down. Uh, uh, I'm not sure which one. But it did merge, and you'll see a little blurb in the corner. Like we had the blurb on yeah. Rainbow that said for the TDP 100. And I think it MC merged with the Australian Coco. 
Yeah, yeah. Can't they they kept publishing MC10 stuff a lot longer than they did up up here, to be honest. Yeah. But he's got a few issues that you know people had not seen before, didn't even know existed, and you can see some pictures here of some of the covers, etc. Um, and it's a pretty good thick one. I mean, it's it's fairly plain. It's more like a hyper big newsletter type thing. It's not a full color glossy magazine or something. I think they were small. They were like, yeah, uh, what we call um, B five uh, size. Yeah, it's a half page that's nicely yeah. stapled and and cut nicely. So they did. Well, it's for the micro color computer. The magazine has to be physically smaller to match, right? Smaller, yeah. And they did a lot of work to get the edge even on this, so it was well made for. But uh, it sounds like people were convincing him to scan the ones that are missing that we don't have already scanned. There's at least four issues by the sounds of it. So uh, that'll be cool because I'm mostly seeing stuff that has not been seen and you know by any of us up here, and uh, mm-hmm. probably hasn't been seen in Australia for a while because nobody else had scanned them in. So look forward to that. And thanks for uh, sharing these. Uh, he's got some pictures of the covers and stuff you can see, and you can even see some familiar faces like Dan Downard on this one issue here from November '83. Um, he was one of the regular columnists Rainbow, so that's one of the ones they borrowed from Rainbow Magazine to do that uh, sharing agreement they had. I think I've got one issue somewhere. You have an MC10? No, but I've got one of those magazines. Oh, I do have an MC10 as well, yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. I never see you bring it out and show it off, so that's one. No, no, I don't, I don't let people know. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, um, What Ho Snorkers, which is one of the strangest YouTube channel names I've ever seen in my life, <clears throat> posted this video here. It's 22 minutes, and it's on the Dragon 32 specifically. Uh, he did a video showing a type-in-text Christmas game that has you trying to give presents delivered to the right houses. Um, so it's a bit of a strategy thing. You're only given the name of the person supposed to get it, and when you approach a house, if it's not the right one, the house owner will give you a couple of clues what their their name is, and then how many doors down the person you were looking for is, but not tell you the direction. So you kind of have to do a little bit of logic and memory stuff here to kind of figure out, uh, you know, where to deliver the packages and then try to deliver them all the correct locations. And he's got this done on multiple different machines, including the Dragon. Um, and then as a joke at the end, he actually uh, does it translate. The people in the UK will identify with this a lot better than I can. But they, I guess Welsh is kind of a strange language to listen to. It's probably like listening to Gaelic when you're in Ireland, which I have some experience with. Because uh, he actually makes a special version of it that translates it to Welsh, um, which is pretty well unpronounceable stuff. And Kieran, if you're in the chat there, you can explain what exactly the heck that means. That was rather fun. Now let's look at the Dragon 32 version, which as you ask normal, I have... One moment. Yeah, and he does a lot of like green screen trickery and stuff here to kind of make it a bit more interesting presentation. Name the volcano. Nosweta Celsic. Megandui. And there's supposedly Welsh with the English translation below on the screen. IT Owen Ihun. Nakoes. My gen e r anweg e o n. Menbui dri duros ifudrith. Anyway, I'll skip ahead to the game now, but he has that kind of quirky humor going on there too, so. But here's a screenshot of the game in, in progress. So it said, this house belongs to Smith. The person you want is three doors away. And then the label says Smith. And he goes to house number five to deliver it. So he was like two squares over. So he knows you can't go one direction, three squares. So obviously it's three squares in the forward direction. So you actually 
it's basically a logic puzzle game type thing where you kind of go through and try to do it. So, and he shows some, like I said, some of the other versions too, but he kind of did the dragon theme. And then he does the Welsh translation of it. Uh, that's here. So that's supposedly some Welsh thing. I don't understand any of this stuff. Gerzer um, for word or something. I, I'm <laughs> sounding like a Swedish chef here instead of the uh, Welsh accent. But uh... And actually, he's commenting in the chat here. He said, I thought Celsic meant sausage. And then he goes, so good evening, sausage? <laughs> so, I'm more confused than ever now. <laughs> Anyway, it's a very humorously done video. He's actually got the green screens where he's literally talking to himself from two different, you know, sets of videos recorded. So it's 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 quite well done and it's quite humorous. And I don't know what the heck that is. Close that, I guess. That is a new tab that has nothing <laughs> but yeah, new, nothing in it. And then that other crab that other tab crashed. I don't know that same thing happened there if I just accidentally opened two and didn't notice. Oh, wait, this this is a cool one here. So Richard Harding, um, who we've met on the Dragon Talk special, uh, we also covered he went to the National Archives in the UK to get some history on Dragon data itself and also the financial shenanigans going around when they were trying to sell it off to Eurohard, et cetera. And he's done here. He's actually kind of summarized it all and put everything in here. You can read the full PDFs, which is scans of all the back and forth of finances and sales and Plan projects that never happened and a bunch of other things. And then if you want the quick Coles notes version of it here, you've got the highlights uh, talking about the fact that he wanted to build uh, or to not even have to build the factory. But the, apparently this Ken Fig factory had been vacant for six years before Dragon got it to start producing Dragon 32s. So this was a plus for the company that owned the, the factory because it had just been sitting there idle, not producing any money. And they go through and like when they actually did really well. And they had orders increase. So here they are, October of 82. They'd already uh, had firm orders for 44,000 dragons by that point. It only been announced in August. Um, but Metoy Group, you know, we, we've talked about on, on the Dragon Special, the Metoy Group is a people that kind of, you know, did the original Dragon uh, before Dragon Data became its own thing. And they were in financial trouble this whole time. So that may have had something to do with some of the problems they had. But they were always in financial trouble at this point. Um, and then they go through here, you know, dispatched orders. They, you know, shipped out 12,165 dragons by October 82 on the 11th. But they had more than that on order that they couldn't produce yet. So they were way behind in orders. This is when they had that super successful Christmas season where they actually became the first or second best selling computer in the UK at the time. Um, out of the 551500 dispatched, they had 200 returns, a 3.6% return rate, which is Fairly high, but they found out it was due to two things, both of which got fixed. Now, this is kind of interesting, too. So, problem number one for the recalls. Motorola sound chip. I'm assuming this means a DAC and a SALT or something. Was the SALT instead of Coco on the Dragon? I don't remember if it is or not. I'll let Kieran answer that in the meantime. Uh, this chip has been self-destructing in certain instances when the Dragon is being used in association with certain makes of Taiwanese tape recorders, which suffer from power surges. The problem has now been overcome by incorporating a small resistor, which reduces any surge in power input. No further problems are now expected to occur. Rick, you're laughing, so I then you want to kind of explain that in, in, in non-hardware English. So when you plug in one of these cheap tape recorders, you get a little burst from its cheap power supply that blows the heck out of any digital chip that's plugged in. They put a little capacitor to block that AC burst, 
and life is good. Okay, it's, so this is a problem you're familiar with. Yeah, this is cheap Chinese power supplies, but from Actually, Taiwan back then. Actually, it says resistor, so it could be capacitor. Well, no, the, the resistor is to keep that pop. When you first plug the AC in and it's not it grounded down. well, it's a floating ground on the AC supply of the tape recorder. So it's only six volts from its ground to its plus. But from the computer's ground to the, from the computer's plus to the real ground, it might be 110 volts. A capacitive dropper supply, they call it nowadays. So this is something that, yeah, they shouldn't have had to worry about. The Orc 90 has project. I noticed they have a similar 50-volt blocking capacitor just in case you plug it into a not very well-designed audio device. Yeah. And the second one, the second cause for recalls is actually a Motorola problem. And I remember reading about this in the 6-8 micro journal uh, when the Cocoa first got announced because they – the, the Tandys hit this problem, too, in the early days in the 1980s. There was quite a few replacements that had to be done. So I'll read what they said there. Motorola SAM chip. Early supplies of this important chip contained a higher-than-expected failure rate. The problem has been overcome by inserting the chip into a socket for easy replacement and also improving the machine language testing cartridge, which would result in any faults being discovered at the factory rather than at home by the customer. And I do remember they were complaining this chip ran too hot. And uh, they had some self-destruct ones there. There were some recalls in, I think, November of 1980. They actually had to pull some machines back to replace the chip. Because basically, the Cocoa was the first machine that really used this chip, period. And uh, the fact that they were still having problems in 1982, two years later, is kind of uh, not a good sign for Motorola, I guess. Unless they took all the old crap chips that they knew weren't working well and shipped them off to the UK and gave them Well, them, but they know. pulled a fast one here because the SAM had always worked at 60 hertz. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 50 so maybe I didn't think about that. Yeah, that would have been a little bit different out of the spec for the chip. Red. Anyway, he goes through a lot of other history here with you know sales and then the negotiations of uh, you know trying to fix the problem. But after the uh, the initial burst of enthusiasm for the Dragon Thirty Two and how well it sold, and then the start of the sixty four when it was starting to sell pretty good too, and then you know kind of the bottom started to fall out after that, and then they had all kinds of problems, which it goes through and. Excruciating detail, but uh, a lot, of, a lot of interesting things there. They had board meetings. You know, should we just dump this whole thing, or you know, that kind of thing. So, if you want a bit of a history of Dragon Data and the trials and tribulations of it uh, from birth till death, basically, right? Uh, excellent history stuff in here. Scroll down to where it says Company's House. <laughs> yeah. I know what the funny thing is, the uh, company that was basically uh, holding, when the receivers were called in, um, I'll just read what he has here. WDA seemed pleased about the lack of press coverage for the Dragon Data failure and their involvement in it. It says, TV and press coverage relating to WinTech and to new appointments within the agency has been very good. And the expected bad publicity following the collapse of Dragon Data did not materialize. So, I have an ignoble end. Next up, uh, there's um, projects of duplicating, kind of like Pedro's been doing, with duplicating the Cocoa motherboards. Of course, we've been covering John Whitworth trying to get this Dragon 32 duplicate motherboard working. And he had some problems. And he actually went off of it for a little bit because he was getting too frustrated. And he did an update yesterday. I'll just read verbatim. And you can see some you know scope measurement stuff here <clears throat> on the screenshot. But he says, having actually got some decent sleep for the first time in about a month, got to love a cold. 
I took a fresh look at the dev board, some good-ish news. The freeze I was seeing was the IRQ line going low spontaneously and staying there. Cooling IC26 fixes that particular issue completely, but obviously means no joystick or keyboard input. Uh, before doing that, a bit of digging, I also thought I'd better check the RAM. It's still good. After all, I've been probing around, and I know I shorted things out earlier in the week. Six out of the eight are good. Again, the same six. Two are dead. Not from a short, though. Somehow I put them in the wrong way around. I know I have seven spares left, so I might have to order some more. So um, basically, he's been making a little bit of progress. Actually, he's been feeling better from the cold. So he's, you know, I, I know from experience, he just thinks straighter. Um, and of course, trying to duplicate a board that you have, like, you know, crappy schematics, hand-drawn Xerox 500 times is, is a bit problematic to begin with. So I'm glad he's, he's making some progress again. And then, Karen, if you're still in the chat and still awake, because it's after midnight there, you're apparently doing your own version of a Dragon updated board or duplicate motherboard. So see on the bottom here is you got some, you know, some stuff soldered to get started, started to get soldered into onto the board itself. But it says copyright dragon date in 1983, issue four type on Wincy, which of course, if you played his uh, Tetris clone, that's what he used as the publishing company name, 2022. So you're making your own. And I don't know too much about this project because I don't know if you posted about it before. But uh, it looks like there's two projects going on here to try to duplicate the Dragon 32 motherboard. Karen, feel free to comment in the chat here while I close down the news section here, because I know you're on a bit of a delay and you're probably you know, half pinned because of New Year's. So, <laughs> all right, that is it for the news. Catching up a couple weeks. So next week, we should be back to normal amounts of news. Okay. I, think we probably I see the panel to... shrunk, so obviously I lasted too long. Yeah, we, we probably <laughs> ought to wrap this up. My uh, kiddies are letting me know that dinner is way overdue. Oh, geez. Yeah, I, I'm glad I, we had a quick discussion before the show, uh, before Mark uh, got back, that, uh, you know, should I just do, you know, get the Christmas stories out of the way type thing? But that would just mean I'd be taking all these extra stories and then adding them to next week's. I think for the first official show, we don't want to, like, drag it out too long. And just you know, be a bit more short and sweet. So I'm glad we got this all out of the way now. It's all good. And now, mm -hmm. Happy New Year, folks, for folks that have already had it or that have it coming up here shortly, like uh, mm -hmm. most of us. Yep. <clears throat> the rest of us. Five hours and 45 minutes for me, roughly. Uh, Two hours for me. Goodbye, Seven hours and. Let's uh, skip the project updates and we'll get them next week. Is it morning? Me. Is All it right, morning let me uh, let me work on the outro here. Push the button, Frank. Gotta share a screen. Here we go. This one. Okay, I'm gonna squeeze this in. Hi, I'm John, and I'm Aaron of the Coco Show. And you're watching or listening to the Coco Nation, the live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its cousins. All hail the Coco Nation. Om, om, om. The Coco Nation train wreck is over, and we welcome you to the last surviving car. Join us on the Coco Discord server. This concludes another episode of The Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things The Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. 
Coco Nation show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song copyright 2022 D. Bruce Moore. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever. Okay. Bye. See you all next week, January 7th, at our new time. With a real show. Play games. We'll refine the quirks. So 2 p.m. Eastern, although we were were later than that today. Yeah, I was due due to the fact we just kind of last minute decided to do a show, period. And then uh, Mark also had some stuff to do. But uh, our new time, which will be permanent from there on in, as permanent as permanent is, um, (laughs) starting next next Saturday, January 11 o'clock Pacific. 11 o'clock Pacific, yeah. <laughs> 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Eastern. What time is it, Nick? Over here? Yeah. Well, at the moment, it's uh, half past, almost half past 10 in the morning. On Sunday. Okay, so about 8 a.m. We'll be up. We'll be back. Yeah, you'll like this, Nick, because you get to sleep in an hour. You don't have to get up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so. To whether I can stay up, stay for as long. <laughs> Not if I do news like that again. <laughs> Put your Vegemite around. I don't know. I, I like the news. You talked about me a lot. <laughs> I even tried to talk about Nick a lot. It still didn't keep him awake. <laughs> and then, of course, fill it up with all that EOU stuff. Yeah, I was going to play a lot more of the retro computing roundtable part there, but I thought I was going to get a bit too self aggrandizing then. Oh, yeah. recording off. Anyway, see you all next oh. week. We're still Happy alive. Happy New so. Year, everyone. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Back next week. It's time for 2023. Happy New Year.